be on the dugout. Lace them up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Picture on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases. Do it for your teammates, do it for the fan. Do it for your city, true ballers understand. You gotta work together, you gotta find a way. Put your body on the line and make that play. Be on the dugout. Lace them up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Picture on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the base. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Well, Akira Koto Kato, welcome to Beyond the Dugout, episode 19 here on the 20th of August. Drive time here in good old COVID free. Uh, scratch that. It's Jason Gooby's AK Chopper with Damien Collins. He's in COVID country too. <laughs> Kia ora, bro. Yeah. Welcome back to level four, ladies and gentlemen. Crazy times. How you doing, it mate? Is indeed, bro. And when it you're is in indeed. the epicenter of it all. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, man. Honestly, like uh, I live on the North Shore of Auckland, uh, a suburb of Glenfield, and there's this thing called like the locations of interest, and like 88 out of the 99 are in Glenfield. <laughs> <laughs> or is that supposed uh, to be? I tell you what, though, Damien, um, it's all good, though, man. We've been here before. Of course, this day on Australia is a little bit different, um, and we've got to be cautious about it. Everyone is being cautious. Um, but, dude, the good thing about Kiwis is because we've been to zero and for so long in zero cases, we know what's kind of required, and uh, and we tend to toe the line. So that's uh, I'm feeling confident. Yeah, mate. Well, they shut it down early, eh? So hopefully we can get it, get on top of it and it doesn't last six weeks like, you know, last year. But uh, it is a different strain. It is a different uh, level. So, yeah, be safe, ladies and gentlemen. Be safe. Yeah, I think they're going to ring fence Auckland, to be fair, and the Coromandel. So they should. Uh, be- <laughs> Don't be like that. My bad, my bad, um, my bad. But, but um, you know, all the cases are up here at the moment and um, and, and I hope that continues, uh, um, you know, not for the fate of Auckland, but for the fate of New Zealand so they can at least reduce the levels so you guys can go back to normal business um, south of the border. Yeah, I mean, I know we're all in it with you, but, um, yeah, no, it'd be good, it'd be good if the rest, the rest of the country, but, hey, mate, rumour has it this morning that it's hit Wellington as well, so we'll wait and see what uh, the yeah, midday no. update brings. Yeah, no. Nah, the cool thing, even if it does spread outside the area, man, it's um, it's uh, people know what to do. So that's that's kind of cool. you see you with the in it with me. I don't remember you sitting in the car for three and a half hours yesterday waiting for a COVID test. Hey, mate, I was sitting here editing this week's episode, so that was three hours of my life as well. I'm not going to get back, but um, hey, okay, mate, fair had to, like, uh, yeah, you and the fan stuck in the fan uh, in the car with the family for what three and a half hours was it? Four hours? Yeah, yeah, man, three and a half hours. To be fair, it didn't feel like three and a half hours. We had a ball, uh, oh. and everyone's had good spirits. Um, but a couple of side puts that a friend of mine's daughter she lined up in Albany yesterday. 11 hours she was the last person to get in on the line to get tested and they turned everyone else behind her away 11 hours wow, wow. so the person oh. behind her imagine sitting there for 11 hours and being told come back tomorrow yeah i tell you what though bud um uh in saying that tipped it tip it do it through your gp yeah another friend of mine booked a 12 o'clock visit with a gp she turned up at 10 minutes to 12 
left at five minutes past 12. I've seen heaps of those messages. Just ring your GP, yeah. just go through them. That's what they're there for. <laughs> you're on a list for a reason, you know, you're not a random yeah. person queuing outside. Yeah, so yeah. there's different ways to get around here yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm probably getting another one or two. We'll see how this thing rolls, um, but it'll be through the GP next time for sure. You'd think they just create uh, would have created home home kits by now, eh? <laughs> just swab test. Well, I know they do overseas mm. um, for sure. Uh, my sister's in London at the moment. She um, she did a whole bunch of those through wow. parts of her returning to England. Uh, a while ago um, uh, so it is something that's kind of out there but I guess at the moment there's nothing safer than having the government test you so um, uh, it's, it's kind of the way hey in saying that my sister potentially is on TV3 News on Sunday which one the one in, in, in uh, overseas Wow. Yeah, I mean, she wants to come back. Uh, the old man's not doing too well. And so TV3 is doing an interview with her around this can't get a spot in MIQ business. Yeah. Uh, so you'd be interested to see what, how that comes out for her on uh, on the TV3 oh, news. Oh, PJ. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Hashtag, can I get her autograph? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> she'll, yeah. she'll, she'll, hey. she'll ham it up for sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, dude, there's brighter things going on, of course. Last week we had uh, Kaylee Rafter, man. What a treat. Uh, and you could just feel how proud she was in her voice, uh, not just of her career that isn't finished yet, but just bringing home bronze mm. for the red and white of Canada. I know I've said it before, but we get to see these people in person. And, and I hope you guys can hear the emotion that's in their voice because, yeah, she definitely had it. And um, they're just holding up that medal, talking about that medal, talking about the time and the and the colours representing the country at that level of the, of the Olympics. She just lit up and it was awesome. And another other, another time she lit up, and I had to keep it in there, was when her number one fan came in uh, with uh, her little nephew coming in um, during the interview. So nah, very, very cool to um, for her to share her thoughts and th- that journey, what she went through um, at that level uh, with us last week. Yeah, it was, was indeed. Dude, she um, touched that uh, she's going to work at, as you remember, mm. at uh, um, in a university this year with one of our fellow Kiwis who kind of made the headlines this week. Absolutely. Travis Wilson, uh, of course, with Florida State and uh, going into the Hall of uh, ISC for 2022 with another fellow Kiwi. Yes, indeed. Reese Kaisley, a Wainui native uh, down there in the valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, both him, the Gremlins, he was very strong with the New York Gremlins, was Reese Kaisley. And of course, uh, Travis Wilson with a number of teams, Broken Bow as well. He did time with the Patsies. Unfortunately, not able to pick up a, a single victory at the ICs, as in a title, I should say, um, but five all world nominations. And, and you know, Julie uh, deserves to be nominated and, and will be awarded. Uh, Hall of Fame of the IC come next year. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, mate, he may not have got that uh, championship at IC, but he's got the one that counts, eh? He's got the one that yeah. counts. Yeah, you're dead right. You're <laughs> dead right, man. You're dead right. You're dead right. So, yeah, looking forward to that. While we're on the ICs, bud, it is thick and fast in the action over there, mate. We're, we're two-thirds of the way through the tournament. They've already split down to the IC2, and they have found their IC2 champions. So congratulations to them today. Um, but the ICs, um, the top section is pumping along, um, and we're down to 
the last kind of six teams. And that's where all the good stuff's happened. We saw last night, Bud, uh, you shared the post today of Big Wayne Laulu. Laulu. Yeah, with a big shot on the bottom of the eighth um, to take care of who United are there. Uh, Man, what a shot that was and what a game. Yeah, you saw you saw just pure timing and power, and you saw a little bit of a, a jig as he as he went along the first pace line. And I can only imagine that big Wayne Laulu smile on his face while he while he went around the bases for that one. Gremlins, man, they used two pitches in the game because they may see each other in the final yet still. Uh, they started mm. with Andrew Kirkpatrick on the hill, the big lefty, and then they went to JP Josh Pettit. Uh, oh, bad the pitches whole- to go to. Yeah, with the Hallman twins, of course, they've got uh, um, Waymore Mata this year. So they're going to go a long way, man. And he went the full distance, did uh, Waymore Mata from Argentina uh, on the hill for them. Very, very strong lineup. Of course, we've got Tommy Anoka. And I, I tell you who's playing really well. He is playing well, uh, Tommy is, but who's playing really well for them at the moment is young Riley Marquette. Oh, Riley's, Riley, I don't think even has hit his prime yet. You know, I think the the more and more you see of that young man, that, um, over the next couple of years, he's going to just take the ga- his game to another level. So, for him to go over and and, and have another a good good um, outing at another a good tournament to be at, uh, fair, fair dues for for Riley. Mate, the other late game uh, last night. Uh, sorry, when I said it was Gremlins and uh, Hallman Twins. Hallman Twins were in the late cap. It was Who United Chiefs. Now, Who United Chiefs, they started with, they've just picked them up with their team. Devin McCulloch, he started the match with them. Then they went to Miglavakia uh, from Argentina. He's the one who gave up that home run to Laulu to surrender mm. the match in the eighth inning. So that's the uh, Who United Chiefs. Who United Chiefs will have a second shot at it. They'll drop to the uh, sudden death side of the draw now uh, and they'll take on uh, JMB painting that is later uh, tonight uh, actually will we'll be just before we go to ear so we'll be able to find out who's going to be uh, chopping through with that one but it was who are you not sorry Kitchener Hallman Twins, who took on uh, Kegel Black Knights last night. That's the other undefeated match to see go to um, the game against the Gremlins. And and it was uh, Hallman Twins, but to be fair, they were there from the get-go. Kegel Black Knights were close, but never close enough to, to pause too much threat against the Hallman Twins. Hallman Twins got an insurance run in the seventh um, and just did not look like coming back. Exciting stuff. It's uh, yeah, no. I appreciate you uh, sharing all the stats, all the all the where to find it, where to watch it, and um, yeah, no. It's it's uh, it seems to have more Kiwi interest this year. I don't know, just but maybe because I'm well well aware of it this year more. Yeah, I think I think also there's not a lot of sport on at the moment, so yeah, true, it's true. it's a good one to follow. Well, they've got a bit of streaming going on, so well done to Blair and the boys. They managed to get that across the line. Um, fantastic. So you can follow it along that uh, as well. Um, but so the big match anyway, which will be tomorrow, is the undefeated match. The Gremlins taking on the Hallman Twins. The two Anokas taking on one Anoka. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, uh, Wade Lalu, he's with the Gremlins. They are stacked. Jerome Raimaki as well. Uh, the winner of that one, that's uh, 1 o'clock Saturday New Zealand time, will go to the grand final on Sunday at 2 p.m. Oh, there'll be a bit of banter during that, I'm sure. Yeah, indeed. Uh, dude, while we're in the States, Major League Baseball continues to fire along over there. Um, and before I get to the standings, man, honestly, one of the best things I've seen in baseball in a long time happened last week. You're talking about the field of dreams, aren't you? 
dude. Kevin Costner <laughs> walking out of the corn. How cool. And then the Yankees and the White Sox to the music. Yeah. Not a word spoken. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah, and hanging off every footstep, eh? Like Costner coming out in the white on cream and then the boys coming out in the old. Uh, I don't know. The Yankees wasn't too old, was it? But, I mean, the, the White Sox, that, that, that was old school, 19-whatever it was, uh, yeah. traditional uniform. A very cool, very cool moment. And, um, yeah, just with every, all the craziness to go in around the world to, to go back to a cornfield and celebrate just the simpleness of the game. Yeah, awesome. Dude, like – I heard a story that um, just in days prior to the game being hosted, uh, there was a storm that came through and all the corn got, like the corn got bent in the outfield. So they purchased thousands and thousands of fiberglass rods, went to each corn, um, whatever, plant, uh-huh. put a rod, tied it to it, put a rod, tied it to it, put a rod, tied wow. to everyone, man, to make it look immaculate as it was. Well, that, well, that would explain it then because it looked picturesque, didn't it? It looked, yeah, um, yeah like they're just, yeah, they were, it was meant to be every, yeah, just the how it was, but yeah. Wow, okay. No, good on them. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I know. I tell you what, though, when the Yanks do something, man, they do oh, the yeah. detail, right? Sure. I mean, like, you saw the scoreboard. You saw the fences. You know, yeah. they weren't made of wood, but they looked like wood and shit. Yeah. You know, it just even all the ushers and stuff were dressed up in old-time gear and yeah, stuff. But cool. it, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, you got to take it back and uh, celebrate the what's behind you to go forward. Eh? It was very, yeah. very cool. It was an important game too uh, within uh, that that part of the competition as well too because the American East division is hotly contested and that's where the Yankees are. They're sitting uh, five and a half games back from Tampa Bay. So they, it was a must win for them. Chicago White Sox, man, one of the hottest teams in baseball this year, 71 wins on the season. And there was like something like five home runs in that match to Madison, the shortstop from the White Sox, clipping it off in the bottom of the ninth to walk off the win in the field of dreams does wow. not get better. No, it doesn't, that. does it? No, very cool. Um, I've forgotten the, the line in the movie too, because we all know like the line, build it and they will come. Yeah, that's on, yeah. Right. But there's another line in there is like, um, is this heaven? <laughs> oh, and yeah. Then, uh, Kevin Costner's dad yeah. in the movie goes, no, it's Iowa. <laughs> and that's what they tried to go with. It didn't quite work, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to get bigger, but yeah. Anyway, hey, last thing on the baseball, um, the teams are still jockering for those big spots. Of course, the winner of each division uh, will go through uh, to the playoffs, and then there's a wild card that comes to that. We're still two uh, two three quarters of the way through the season at this point, so there's still a fair bit of baseball to go. The Dodgers are making a charge at San Francisco at the moment, only three games back with a six game winning streak um but it's it, for me it's that division over in the west houston and oakland my fingers across for oakland to catch them they're only two and a half games back no one would hate or not hate to see houston miss out <laughs> yeah no no one no one <laughs> <laughs> okay buddy let's um jimmy wanna this week man speaking uh, of the houston jerseys he was wearing one yeah, it was indeed. Yeah, hard out. Here's your segue. Uh, Jimmy, it was great to get him involved this week, especially around the ISCs. He's done so much in the game uh, internationally, uh, you know, with two um, World Cup golds, 
one junior, one senior. Mm-hmm. Um, but IC-wise, man, he was dominant. And the career started early. You know, no, nah, he a legend, legend of uh, of of parts. Um, and you you mentioned the world world trophies as uh, as a junior and a senior, but he's also got one as a coach as well. So he's um, he's done it all, Jim, and um, he's got he's got some stories. I'll tell you. And um, when he speaks, yeah, he he really speaks um, with enthusiasm, and and the memory of of those stories really he seemed to enjoy telling those stories. So um, of course we had it. Uh, Last week, when we could all sit next to each other in a in a closed room called my office, um, but um, yeah, very very cool to sit down next to Jim and, and get some stories. It is indeed. Can't wait to get to mine. We do that right now, Jimmy. One, we shall. Let's go. While we talk about New Zealand pitches. I tell you what, you can't go past one of the best to don the white fern for New Zealand. And it is joining us on uh, the couch here at Beyond the Dugout, a gentleman who's pretty much done it all. You're going to listen over the next wee while to this career of this fine gentleman. It is Jimmy Wanner that joins us. Four ISC titles, three ASA titles, seven New Zealand national titles, two World Cup gold medals, and also coach three World Cups as well. It is Jenny, Jimmy Wanner that joins us here on the couch at Beyond the Digger. Kia ora, boys. Kia ora, Jimmy. Kira. Welcome back to Great the to be here. Thank you. Yeah, back to Upper Hutt, <laughs> our hometown. Yeah, that's it's the first thing you said when you rocked up. Yeah, you're back in the hood. Stomping ground. <laughs> yeah, when school Welcome just around back. the corner. <laughs> well, mate, it's great to have you along. And thank you so much for taking the time. But uh, your career is phenomenal and is lengthy. Um, and we've got a chance to really get a look at uh, into what uh, what part of that career has been and where the makings are. But of course, uh, we should start the right way. Nor here, where were you from? Uh, fun is from uh, Fakatani Taniatua. Um, Whakatohia, um, Ngāti Awa, um, you know, so in uh, uh, Mātātua, so Waka, so that's where uh, the whānau rain from. Um, the, my mother's st- still there and, um, yeah, so it's uh, a great part of New Zealand and uh, very proud of that. Uh, excellent. Mate, born and bred in Palmer's North of the mighty Manawatu? Yeah, I was um, an army brat. Yeah. Uh, born in Palmer's North, um, Lived in Linton Camp, which yep. is uh, just outside of Palmy. Um, not right up to about thirteen, I think it was thirteen, fourteen. Um, but also had two years in Singapore, uh, where my parents were transferred um, over there mm-hmm. for a little while. So yeah, Palmy's um, yeah Palmy boys went there for a couple of years, played a bit of rugby, um, which I was uh, quite into back in the day, and. Used to have to take the birth certificates to the, um, the rep matches because none of the parents would believe me and this other boy, a guy called Grant Yarrow, were uh, the age we were supposed to be. Because <laughs> um, we'd run over their uh, little darlings. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, Palmy's pretty much the same as I remember it. Did you, did you sprout, out at, uh, sprout up at an early age? Yeah, I think I was uh, tipping 100 when I was 14, about six foot yeah. two. Um, so, um, you know. I remember playing bull rush with the whole school on me, eh? Back in the day, <laughs> you know, and there was no rules back then. Yeah, you were allowed to play bull rush. Yeah, that's, that's right, part. that's right. You played bull rush, eh? And then, you know, yeah, there was no rules. You know, it yeah. was just all on. Rugby. Yeah. What position did you play? I played lock and number eight. Um, so played age grade rep rugby, and um, but I was always playing up in terms of softball. Um, 
So, um, yeah, hence uh, followed the softball thing as opposed to the rugby thing. Athletic, uh, was that the, the, oh no, was it Celtic, the club? And, uh, yeah, Celtic's in uh, Palmerston North, so I started playing, I played morning grade with Linton Camp. Mm-hmm. Then I play afternoon grade with St Peter's College, yeah. even though I wasn't at college. What age were you started? When did you start? I started uh, ten years old. Yeah, um, we had a a, um, a coach who we called Uncle Chatty, who was in the army, and um, he uh, we our first uniform was white shorts and white t shirts. Yeah, um, you know we were the Linton Camp Eagles. Wow, and uh, we'd rock into um, Palmy and play at Monrad College, and you know all these other teams had uniforms. Yeah. You know, Wow, these guys are pretty cool, eh? <laughs> you know. And uh, see guys like uh, Craig Merritt, and you know, that throw a rise ball. And I was like, oh, what's that? Yeah, they had no idea, right? Eh? Yeah. And um, I played first base, you know. Um, and we had another pitcher, kid called uh, Jamie Sierra, and he could throw rise balls as well as drop balls. And I used to catch him at his house and yeah, try and learn from him. Um, and then. His parents got transferred to Papakuta. So I was the biggest kid in the team and could pitch the hardest. So I became the pitcher. Yeah. And that's how I got into pitching. Yeah. Mean. Who was who was who was your first uh, coaches in those days? And who who was some of the coaches that taught you the game or how to pitch? Oh, look, there's been there's been lots of people in around me and my time and uh throughout being twelve years old, um you know, um, I ended up playing for Celtics, and there was Roddy Reed, who was a quite a, a very good pitcher back in the day. Yeah, he actually caught for me. Um, when I I'd go remember going to the under sixteen tournament in Hamilton, and being taken to the sidelines and having a session with Kevin Hurley. Um, I remember in my Manawa two days being selected to come to a camp. At Heratonga College, and you had um, Mike Walsh, Kevin Earlihy, Debbie Mygan, all of these sort of people of the game. Yeah, this was in the early eighties, mm. and teaching us, you know, skills over a weekend, and we got billeted out. You know, came down on a bus. Yeah, um, you know, and now if I remember rightly, there was, you know, people like Sorensen and um, Wayne Saunders, and lots yep. of different people. Yep. You know, yeah. From, from that era um, there. so And then when I moved to Hutt Valley, I was lucky enough to have a, a gentleman called John Dawson, um, who was a former Black Sox, played in a couple of World Series, and just a workhorse. Mm-hmm. And he was tough on me, eh? He was, you know, you'd pitch a couple of hundred pitches in a training session, you'd be... Wait a minute, wait, how old were you at this time? Uh, 15. Yeah, well, a couple of hundred pitches, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and this you know, this was sort of starting at forty six feet. Throw twenty, do twenty press ups, go back another six paces, you end up on second base throwing rose balls. And um you do that every training. And you go and play, then you come back and do it all again. But then that was only part of it. Then you had running and stuff yeah. like that. So he was a pretty tough task master master, but um that repetition also built resilience and mental toughness yep. at a very young age. You were only 14 or 15 at that young age, as you said. Yeah. 
was it was was that daunting? Did that did that trigger something in you that you wanted wanted a bit of this, or was it like maybe this is too tough? No, I never shied away from anything. I think it's a different era, you know. I mean, back in Linton, we used to just kick a rugby ball around until it was dark time. Yeah, until Mum yelled out to come home for dinner. So I was always into sports, um, and kind of respected people in the sense of, oh, if he says I've got to do it, I've got to do it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, and that's what you did. Yeah. Um, you know, there was obviously times when you were sort of, you know, pretty spent, but you just keep going, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Dawes was hard, but he was fair, and he was trying to get the best out of you as well. And, you know, you, and you did see the results of that as well. So um, you built trust around that as well. So, um, you know... I don't believe without his instruction and support and loyalty that I would have been, you know, did, did what I did. Jimmy, you were talking about all that and learning those things from a great coach. Mm. When was the first time they pushed you or gave you a taste of senior softball? Well, it was right around all the same time. I mean, yeah. um, I was playing for Celtics, which was, you know, we had guys like Roddy Reed, um, Wayne Lamb, who was a former shortstop for New Zealand, Kevin Richardson, who played second base for New Zealand. Um, you know, all of those guys, are, there's a lot of good players, you know. Um, Ross Johansson, who was Kerry Johansson's brother. Um, and that Celtics team was a very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, after I left, people like Chubb Tungan all went in there, and I think they even went on to win a club title. So that was about 85, I think it was, 84, 85. Mm. I came down here... And then I ended up, my parents transferred to Trentham. Yep. And I wasn't supposed to come because I was in, you know. This top lock number eight. Yeah, palmy boys, having a good time, playing rugby, playing softball, stayed playing with Celtics, but there was an opportunity came to play down here and I was like, I came down and went to Upper College and I was like, oh, don't like this place because I've been to a boys' school. You know? Oh, Okay. I didn't. So you liked the Upper Hutt girls? Well, I didn't back know much then. about girls back then, eh? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that came later. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I had a couple of weeks there and I was like, oh, that sucks, yeah. sort of thing. But um, at that point, you got into summer. Yeah. And it was just ball week after week after week after week. Um, so, um, yeah, that was sort of how it all panned out. And, you know, playing Hutt City United. Um, Made the Hutt Valley under-16 team. Terry, uh, no, it wasn't Terry Nunns. It was Basil McLean as the coach. Went to New Plymouth. We mm-hmm. won that tournament, you know, and then it just all went on from there. Made the Junior World Series team to go to Fargo in the States yeah. um, in 85, and we won that, you know. So When was the moment then, and it sounds like maybe it's around that moment, that that softball became the one for you? Well, it was right around then because I was – you know, playing age grade rep rugby, but I was playing senior men's softball, and I think I even played for one or two mm. men's yeah. um, prior to coming to um, to the Hutt Valley. So, <laughs> 14, 15. So, yeah, so <laughs> softball was obviously, you know, I was more into that because I sort of, yeah, played both sports. I did athletics and all that sort of thing, you know, yeah. but I was ahead of myself in terms of softball. So, softball was kind of, and it was different too, you know. Yeah. As much as my um, quarter thought, oh, what's that game? 
yeah. you know, you're a rugby player boy, just yeah. play that sort yeah, of thing, yeah. you know. And yeah. Um, but um, yeah, and my old man played softball um, and trolled for New Zealand, um, and he was in the army and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I I wasn't I wasn't really brought up by my old man. So, um, but nonetheless, you yeah, know, he was a good hitter and all that yes. sort of stuff. And yeah, so I I just sort of connected with softball and that's sort of the, just the path I went. You talk about under sixteens. I got one back in uh, nineteen eighty five provincial championships. You were the MV pitcher by then. Mm. Yeah, I'd um, done all right, eh? I'd done a few of those, um, and I was lucky enough to play on some good teams and um, right throughout my career. Um, Hutt Valley initially, mm-hmm. and uh, later in, in life with Wellington. Um, so, um, but you know, softball's a team game, and but it was just about, uh, I was just into trying to win yeah. at the end of the day. Talk about trying to win, man. We talk about those early years uh, playing in Hutt Valley, said Hutt City United. Um, um, and those early years, when you were playing senior ball here, what did senior ball look like? Who were you playing against? Well, it was pretty, yeah, pretty competitive back in the day. I think in Hutt Valley, uh, you probably had six to eight teams and the pitchers included guys like every day of the week you'd play somebody who was a flamethrower basically. Yeah. You know, Chris Nicholas, Paul McGann, Graham Robinson, Eric Wilson, Mitch Gray, you know, Canadian import. So there was all of these guys. And then you went to Wellington, you played in Nitton City and you had guys like Mike Pecknett, Peter Meredith, Mike White, Marty Grant, Marty Hamilton, um, Glenn Porter, Glenn Davis, Russell Cooper. So... The competition was phenomenal. It was probably some of the best softball you would have got anywhere in the world. Um, so, you know, <laughs> the hitters probably hated it, really, because yeah. it probably wasn't <laughs> – it was never an easy game, you know, um, yeah. in a lot of respects. But, you know, they'd have the Cardinals um, 10,000, I think they called yeah. it back in the day. And if you were, either, you were either playing it, if you didn't make it, you were watching because you'd see, like, Owen Fogg-Walford pitch, you know. Even got to see Hurley here pitch. And mm. then, you know, guys were coming out from the States like Mark Smith, you know, left-handed Canadian, would just bring it. And that's what actually what I liked, is just guys yeah. just dominating people, eh? Hey? So it was a pretty special time, um, I feel, in terms of when I was exposed to the game. Um, everyone's got the era, but, you know, and, and I sort of got that state side as well. Um, you know, sort of some of the guys that went before, I sort of pioneered it and then... Mm. Then um, I sort of think in that era where I was lucky enough to be involved, there was certainly, you know, a lot of teams around and a lot of sponsors around, which we probably don't see in today's game. You touched on before a little bit the first time you got to wear the fern um, coming out of Hutt Valley, 1985. You were uh, in not only the New Zealand team, but the world champion uh, New Zealand team that uh, went to Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah, um, yeah, I was the youngin. Um, I turned sixteen. Uh, I think I was fifteen when they named the team. Um, and turned sixteen in May, and then we went to. This was U nineteen back then too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went. So you know, we this is back in the day. We had to pay five hundred dollars to towards the trip. You know, um, but yeah, we had a lot. Of, I mean, nineteen years old, but you had guys like Mark Sorensen, Mike Roberts, Johnny Lomax. Richie Ho, these were men. Yeah, you know, they weren't yep. like the nineteen-year-olds today. These guys were 
big units, eh? And, um, yeah, we we went over to um, Lancaster, California, and Kevin Early hosted us wow. um, with the Lancaster Chameleons. Yep. And um, we had a, a couple of weeks there, which was just amazing. Um, you know, pretty uh, – I think I spent most of my money in the first two weeks. <laughs> 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 you know, oh, look at all this. Yeah. And then uh, we went up to Fargo and stayed at the university up there. And um, who was the coach back then? Uh, Dale Eager, right? Uh, was the coach. Yeah. Uh, Carl Mossman, um, assistant coach, wow. and uh, Bob Leveloff was the, was the manager. manager. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So um, yeah, and uh, we um, yeah we ended up winning that. So um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. And um, back in those days, used to fly on Pan Am. So Is that right? Shows you how long ago it was, you know. <laughs> yeah. That was a big thing, Pan Am, back then, too, Yeah, right? I was shit scared on that airplane, eh? I didn't know what turbulence was, you know? Yeah. <laughs> was that your first flight? That was my first flight overseas. Like, Well, if it, I'd obviously been away as a baby to Singapore, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, that was my sort of first... Wow. New passport. Going on the big uh, bird, yeah. you know? Yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. So, no, nah, that was good. It was great. It was an eye-opener, and, um, you know, Johnny Lomax came in big in that tournament um, as both a pitcher and a hitter, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, in that tournament, um, it was girls and boys. Really? Yeah. Oh. So the Netherlands were there. Yeah. Yeah, they're a good team. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, um, uh, mate, special memories for sure, uh, playing for New Zealand, but, um, I, I, before we get to talk about your, your, your play in the ICs or playing in the USA, uh, mate. I look at this uh, rap sheet of domestic titles and it's 16s, 18s, 19s, 21s before you before the men's cracking the men's championships and there's a number of those just a whole production line of uh, of um, national titles at a representative grade here domestically. How did, how did that come about and how did that feel? Well, you know, I I sort of made a lot of different teams when I was well, the different age grades, but I seemed to be playing 14s and 16s mm-hmm. in the same year. Yeah. So I was always playing up. Um, and I was playing – I only played in one Colts tournament, actually. I was played in the under-16s and played in the under-21s. Mm-hmm. So it was me and Glenn Davis were the pitchers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you've got here 85, you won the 16s. 86, you won the 21s. Yeah, and I never played for the Colts again because <laughs> there was so much softball going on. Yeah. And you know there was yeah all these different commitments that I think the Colts ended up being for whatever reason I had too many things you know there was a tournament at Hut City somewhere or because you know you had Island Bay Classic you had the Vic Guth you had the Deroy tournament you know and then the Club Nationals at the end of the year then you had uh, Intercity in the second half of the year so it used to be what we called the summer of softball there was so much ball going on it was yeah you know it was unbelievable. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was lucky enough to, you know, those are good days because you you got the hit, yeah. As well, so um, apparently you can hit. Apparently, well, you know, ask Glenn Davis and Craig Gibson and um, those sort of guys. <laughs> 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 yeah, I used to I used to enjoy hitting. Yeah. Um, yeah, somebody threw that lazy drop ball down there. I was into that, but nice. Tried to had to had to try and lay off that rise ball, but it was hard to. <laughs> yeah. You like throwing it, but not not yeah. any yeah. it. Bloody thing. Yeah. <laughs> Some guys would figure that out. <laughs> Mate, um, I think it was 87 you get your first opportunity to go to the States, Minnesota. Uh, mate, how did that come about? Yeah, and I was... You um, were what, 17, 18? 
Yeah, I was 18. Um, I didn't do my seventh form year because I hope because all my mates decided they weren't going back. So, so I was playing under nine in rugby for Upper Hutt two games in, and um, Paul McGann um, was playing for a team, Pinkorp in Iowa. Yep. And he Our was house team. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Sorensen was there. Steve Schultz. So they had this, you know, pretty good stud team. Um, and he was asked by a team out of Minnesota if he knew any of the pitches. And um, anyway, his team out of St. Paul called Stroh's, which used to be a team called All-American Bar. Mm-hmm. And they won a, a IC back in the late 70s, I think. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, they got a hold of me. And um, within two weeks, I was I was in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, and we had a, a great bunch of guys, some really good hitters. And um, but we were a small budget team. We'd play Pen Corp, beat them. Um, you know, one nothing, two one, yeah, that type of thing. Um, you know, those teams are flying into the IC in Saskatoon. Where we drove, yeah, from Minnesota, which was like twenty four hours of driving, yeah, in a uh, RV. Wait a minute, talk about travelling. You told me the story about travelling. To the states for that first yeah. season. Well, that, what happened when you got to LA? Uh, I think I, I I flew to Hawaii. I got interrogated there. <laughs> I ended up in LA. I had to stay overnight. Woke up late. Missed my plane. <laughs> you know there was no cell phones or emails back in those days. Got myself to the airport. And just sort of showed the lady, and she goes, "Oh, we can put you on this flight." And I'm like, "Oh, you end on my head. Off you go." So I ended up going to Texas. Which is south. South, all yeah. the way down, and then all the way back up to Minnesota in the hope that somebody's going to meet me in Minnesota. And there were these people there waiting for me, the Rebelki family, and they were my family for the next three and a half months. Um, so I lived in their basement, um, played ball. It was great. Yeah. It was. All- you repaid them well. Uh, in that season, you beat uh, some some big teams. Peter Meredith, 1-0. Owen Sound with Brad Underwood, you beat them 1-0. And also a memorable game against um, Aurora Home Savings, a 1-0 game, 11 innings against an old fellow pitcher, Chris Nichols. Yeah, well, yeah, that was a bit of a bugger, really, because our, we went 5-2 in that tournament. Um, we put Meredith out. So our first game was against a team called Calgary, ABC, mm-hmm. uh, Alberta Breaking Clutch, awesome Canadian team. And um, we played them on the second field. I think it's Gordy something field in Saskatoon. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we beat them. Mm. Um, that's some pretty good players, some Canadian representatives. Um, and then we played Chris Nicholas and um, Aurora, which is the old home savings yep. team, which is Seal Masters, et cetera. Um, and we lose to them. So we're in a loser's bracket. And then we play Meredith. And we beat him one zip on the second field. Um, then I think we played Ruth Realty and a few others. And then we came up against Owen Sound. And they were the last Canadian team in the tournament at that point because you had guys like Chubb pitching for all which was the host team. Mm-hmm. They'd brought in Jeff Sipe, who was just this thug of a hitter. You know, he had forearms the size of my... Thighs, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, and we put Andy out one zip. Um, and that guy was awesome, eh? Brad Underwood is just unbelievable. One of the best. Though. Oh, mate. He just he just threw the ball hard, yep. threw it at you. You know, if you didn't get out of the way, yeah, he was amazing. And he was a horse. Um, and then we um, came up against Nicholas again. 
And we went 11 bloody innings. And the thing about the loss was, it was, um, I remember it, it was a guy on first base. Um, they bunt him over, one out, second base. Yeah. There's a fly ball to right field, catch it, two out, throw the ball in. The guy doesn't cut it. Ooh. And it trickles, bounce, 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 bounce to the third baseman. Just a slow roller, really. Hits the guy on his left shin and goes left oh, no. to the outfield, and the guy runs home, game over. Oh, wow. So it was a bit of a shitty way to lose, pretty weak way to lose, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but, um, yeah, it was what it was. And, um, yeah, and uh, the funny thing was, when we went through customs, um, they put me in interrogation again. <laughs> On your way out? <laughs> no, going into, oh, into, yeah. into Canada. Yeah. And they gave me, like, I don't know, 10 days. Well, it just worked out. I I couldn't stay for the for the final. I had to get out, so I had to fly back to um, the states. Yeah, because otherwise I'd be there too late. And Hope yeah, to stay. yeah, and I had actually ended up making the all world team. Yeah, and so I wasn't there for the ceremony. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back to Minnesota. Yeah, yeah but um, yeah, we did pretty good. Um, we did really good. It's got to be said here for those that don't know the the ISCs back in those days. Fifty two teams would uh, contest that tournament. You guys finished. Fifth, you're 18 years old. As you said, you made the second all-world team in your debut yeah. in the ICs. Yeah, I was pretty young. I didn't know much, hey? I mean, so, you know, reputations didn't really mean anything back in those days. Um, I remember staying in the Best Borough Hotel there and I'd be in the, the Spaces room playing Spaces yeah. after the game, you know. <laughs> yeah, Take a few coins and play Spaces. I, you yeah. know, other people probably even a few beers in there, but I wasn't sort yeah. of into that yeah. yet. You know? Yeah, yes. yeah. So yeah, look, it was um, I was pretty fortunate. Great catches, a couple of great catches there. A guy Dino Amundsen and another guy Bill Satzer, who was actually a left-handed catcher. Um, so um, they looked after me really well. eh? you know, well, you did something good that year, of course. Uh, and uh, the big boys come knocking for the next year in the states. Pinkle, yeah, um, beginning of a dynasty. Yeah, well, that was really that was really tough because um, Strohs were really good to me, and um, but Pencorp came to New Zealand '88 and played out here, and and um, yeah, I ended up going to play for them in Sioux City, and I had five years with them, and um, yeah, I think we won four titles, four ICs, and a second in that time, and, and three ASAs. So it was a pretty phenomenal team that would play. Well, they had. You know, four pitchers who were all, you know, could pitch for any team, really. Yeah. Who was he pitching stuff? Uh, Paul McGann, obviously, another New Zealander. Mm. Steve Schultz. So they were two really good buddies of mine who were tragically killed in a car accident in 1990. And then Pete Sandman, who was the original um, pen call pitcher, um, an American from Iowa. Um, but, you know, our, our schedule would be oh, 120 games, 130 games. Over how long a period? Oh, uh, late April through to September, the ASAs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd go far and wide. Uh, had a policy of playing, going to host host the team and then repaying that back by travelling out there. So we could go to West Coast, Seattle, Victoria, Toronto, Winnipeg. Not really the East Coast in terms of New York and that because it wasn't really that big back then. Yeah. Um, maybe down to Florida to play the Clearwater Bombers, that type of thing. Um, so you know we and and 
because there was a lot around the Midwest, so we had a lot of ball in the Midwest when Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. So um, that was a bit of a hotbed back in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back to the beginning of it, yeah, but while we're in the States there, we your first season with Pencourt, second season playing uh, in, in the States. Uh, but first with them, you guys had to do it tough coming through the loser's bracket. Yeah, we... Um there was a hell of a IC indicator. It was about 115 degrees every day, um, and about 95 percent humidity, and that just oh, wow. that just sucks. Yeah, um, yeah. We played the Bloomington Hearts on the second field opening game. Uh, I pitched that, and uh, we we beat them. Uh, Scott Plenger, who's an American, played mm-hmm. out in New Zealand for the Cardinals, um, pitched, and um, then we played. Harold's Supermarkets and a guy Doug Middleton who was a quite a, a very very good American pitcher hitter mm-hmm. um, and they had a really good team um, and we played them and they beat us and they put us into the lose bracket so um, then we end, well, I'm not going to say benefit but we ended up playing a lot of games early mm-hmm. so we didn't really have to face that 115 degree heat, so right. you know we'd be oh, out yeah, there. earlier in the day. Yeah, yeah nine, we'd be out there nine o'clock in the morning and yep. get in and get out, right? Yep. And it only got to later in the tournament where you might have a double dip. Um, so we clawed ourselves all the way back to uh, the final, and we played Heralds again, Doug Middleton, and um, we run ruled them in the first game because you had to play them twice. We had right to play, it, yeah. So it's a two life yep. system, and they'd gone through unbeaten, so. I think, I think you could win that tournament if you're unbeaten in like five or six games. Um, I think we ended up paying ten or eleven, mm-hmm. um, something like that, and so we had to roll them twice. So we beat them the first time, run ruled them, and came back and beat them again in, in, in the other second final. And that was your first IC title. Well, yeah, that was my first IC title. That was Pencorp's first IC title. Um, and that probably showed in the ASA that we went to because we were still celebrating. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we didn't do so well on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, you you did really well that year. A five and O record personally uh, on the hill for Pencourt. You picked up MVP pitcher award and of course uh, a first team All World uh, selection uh, that year. I mean, simply amazing to come in the year before that in a debut season to what you did with a small budget team and then jumping in the big show. And going the whole way, might I add, only nineteen at the time. Yeah, um, I was pretty fortunate to be on some on a good team, eh, Chop? And yeah. um, you know, uh, had again great catcher, um, and and, and a, just a great team around you. You know, mm. um, so um, those sort of things are just bonuses at the end of the day, as much as um, they're nice to to achieve, but. You know, you'd rather win it than not have that. Can I ask, um, Jim, just before we go any any further on this one, um, as I mentioned earlier, I play with uh, Paul's uh, son-in-law, mm. obviously someone he never met and, and good friend with the McGann's. Talked to Debbie the, this morning. Um, have you got a Paul story that um, you'd like to share? Cause, oh, oh, can I share them? Well, um, <laughs> no, Guza was a great a great friend. Um, I live with uh, Paul and Debbie in 1990 in um, Cheyenne Avenue in Sioux City, Iowa. Um, in their basement, actually, <laughs> didn't make it to the top floor. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, look, uh, Paul and I would. Well, so when I say Paul and I, it was more Paul, not me. 
he'd like to have a sip on a Kahlua every now and then and we would just be having a glass of milk according to uh, Debbie, you know. Um, but sometimes we'd like to take Paul's daughter out, Caitlin, who's, um, you know, I remember, you know, holding Caitlin. She was a little baby back then. And would go down to a place called Townhouse Pizza and, um, you know, put Caitlin on a chair and give her a Coca-Cola or something like that, yeah. or lemonade or water. <laughs> and uh, would get um, what we'd call a relief pitcher. Um, which is a rather large vessel of beer. Yeah. And pizza and chicken wings and all the trimmings. Yeah. And the phone would go. And the barman would go, Is there a Paul McGann here? <laughs> no. And we'd go, Oh, God. So poor old Goozer would have to go and, Yeah, yeah I'll be home soon, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a bit like cheers, you know. Yeah. Someone's asking for uh, for the guy who's not supposed to be there. Yeah. So, um, no, no, we had some good times. Um, those were some great days in Sioux City, and I had a lot of fun with those boys. Yeah, um, yeah, they were good mates. Appreciate it. Thank you. But mate, uh, getting to, to 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 associate with them and play with some of those great pitchers that were ahead, ahead of you, uh, um, mate. What were some of the things you picked up from them in your own game? Well, I think Paul, uh, he was a tr- he just didn't give up, and it's that resilience, you know. And um, Paul had won games when. You know, both him and guys like Michael White, when they didn't necessarily have their good stuff, but they could win. You know, just their pure guts and determination, eh? In other days, they'd just come out and just blow people away. You just couldn't touch them, you know? Um, So, you know, they were were real line hearts and and champions, and and you learnt a lot from those guys, eh? Um, But also humility, mate. You know, we had a a lot of fun as well. Um, A lot of laughs. I mean, we had times when we'd be on the floor in a dugout rolling, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> I remember playing in playing in Iowa once, and um, Mark Sorensen was in the outfield, and there's a fly ball out to Mark, and he misses the ball. I think it actually hits him in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in saying. There were bats out there. Didn't you not see those bats? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when was you whatever? And then there was another time. There was another guy, Murray McLean. Muzzle was yeah. a first baseman yeah, for yeah. New Zealand, and he was having a shocker. Playing first base, throw the ball to him. Ball hit him in the palm, drop out. Yeah, and it happened a few times. Yeah, and then the guy Randy Burnside comes in, and he turns his mitt inside out and says. Hey, Muzz, try this one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you did that today with some people, they'd just curl up and cry, you know. Yeah, but it was yeah. sort of that take the mickey out of each other and yeah. everyone's having a good time. So you had the real serious side of it with, with you know, those, those guys you'd really learn from, you know, Paul, um, Mike White, you know, and then you had the other side of it where you had a bit of humility and a bit of a laugh and, yeah, it was a pretty good place. Mate, 88 was a massive year. You, we, we touched on, obviously, winning the ICs uh, towards the end of that year. But in the season leading into that, you had a couple of American teams come down to New Zealand. You had national tournaments to play. What was Tournament Alley like for you in that space from kind of January onwards? Yeah, that was what we'd term the summer of softball mm. um, back in the day. And um, 88 was New Zealand would bring teams in, typically around leading up to World Series year. So they'd brought in this particular, I think, Larry Miller and Pencourt to play in a series and I guess helped them, you know, expose players because they were rotating players and 
who played in Auckland, and you had a different Black Sox team up there, which was largely around pitching. Mm-hmm. And then a different one in Wellington, etc. Um, but you know, I remember playing in the Nationals in uh, North Shore for Hutt Valley. Then the tournament finished, and then Paul McGann and I played for New Zealand B um, against Larry Miller. And then I drove down to Tauranga and played in the Hutt Valley and un- the Under-19 Provincials. Yeah. Mr. Monday, uh, Mike Gage was the other pitcher. So I had to pitch two games that day. Then we finished that tournament, and then we played. They selected a junior Under-19 team. We played Larry Miller there and beat them. And then I think the following weekend, played for New Zealand against Pencorp at Fraser Park. Lost that game one zip. And and it just went on and on from there. So, um, you know, we used to, there used to be all of these teams coming out. I think in 96 even, there was a Canadian team come out. Um, and that was one of the great things about soccer back in the day. There was a number of American teams coming out. Um, Jap- Japanese teams have been out. Yep. So, you know, the, the, the national body did a good job of, you know, exposing players to international competition, you know. Uh, I, I can't help but think, though, you, you're at age of 18, 19 years old in 88, and you're playing all of those tournaments and weekends back-to-back, different levels, different age groups, and then even all the way to the socks. Your head must have been just on a swivel at that point. Yeah, look, I, I just I just love playing ball, eh? Mm. And um, Yeah, how was your arm? Well... You know, you just pitched, right? Um, So you didn't really... I mean, yeah, sure, you got tired and stuff like that, but it wasn't in you to say no. Um, And and you just thrived on it, really. Thrived on the competition. Um, I guess, you know, in a lot of ways, you you know, I was playing with junior teams and senior teams, so there was kind of a different... You know, you were big fish in a small pond, and then small fish in a big pond. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of thing, you were just a rookie sort of thing, you know, and you just... You know, you had all this respect for all these guys and a little bit intimidated, so you're sort of head down and get on with it, you know? Yeah. Sort of thing, so. Mm. Mate, if we go back to the ICs now, I'm going to play a video of, it's actually fast forward a couple of years into uh, 92, but we can touch on the other years anyway, uh, as this commentator announces the lineup. Look at this. Second and Mark Sorensen at first. A battery of Jimmy Seaman and Tim Wall. And Jimmy Seaman, an outstanding young pitcher, and he's only 23 years old, Ron. Good size for pitcher Jimmy Seaman, uh, set about 6'3", about hey, Jimmy boy. Adam, baby. He comes hey, to the tournament with one hey, win, 0.88 run average. All right, let's take a look now at the umpires for this game for the... Solid Probably a bit generous on the weight, <laughs> two fifty pounds. I think at one stage we were in a place called Alcard, Indiana, and we'd um, you flew on this prop plane back into O'Hare, and uh, they had to weigh us all to um, get us in the right seats. And at that point, that's where the uh, term half a ton of pitching stuff came out. <laughs> yeah. Mate, you were jacked back then, though. Mate, you, you must solid have had boy. A, yeah. yeah, I've always been solid boy, mate, you know. Um, big bone, they called it, you know. Yeah, yeah, but your arms look massive. You must have, you know, had a workout regime and everything going on back then. Well, it comes back to a little bit what you're talking about every weekend, mate. I was pitching, mm. you know. Um, back in New Zealand, I'd probably pitch 70 games plus in a season. Um, most tournaments, I'd pitch most of the games, and it'd be five, six, seven games, so... You became very proficient and fit 
at that particular skill set, right? Mm. Um, so the state side was almost playing on a team like that. A bit of a rest, really. You know, I'd probably get 30-odd games in mm. um, over four months, which yep. wasn't a huge workload. But sometimes that would load up on different tournaments and things like that and some guys would be away, etc. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing around the four pitches in Sioux City came about because in 88, Steve Schultz was on the USA team. Um, Paul, who was, Paul McGann, who was with the Pencorp team, was a contender for the New Zealand team. Yep. So they were getting cover and it worked out that Paul, Paul didn't make it. Um, but then we lost Steve to go with with uh, the American team. So mm. you know, um, but then they just thought, well, we'll just increase our schedule and have four pitches. Nice, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, we used to go to the gym, um, Mark and I, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretend we were athletes and <laughs> you know, work out a little bit and stuff like that. And but yeah, we certainly played a lot, and um, that kept you uh, game fit as well. Did you have the classic Popeye stature as a pitcher? Oh, the classic Mo. You probably, uh, yeah, look, I've probably been accused of looking like a Mexican back in the day. <laughs> um, I remember walking to a Twins game and one guy asked me for my autograph <laughs> as I was walking in because he thought I was Ron Darling <laughs> from the Mets. And I was like, I didn't even know who Ron Darling was, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, there was quite a few, um, yeah, Mo's and hairdos back in the day. Yeah. Which um, people like Richie Moanga sport them now. Yes, you know, do. the yeah. mullet is back. <laughs> the moule. So, so that was a moule under that hat. That the was a, well, it was kind of a moule. Yeah, yeah. The old short sides and yeah, the yeah, just shake your head that way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, mate. What was the ballpark like in ICs back in that era? You know, you talked about travelling all around the country, but travelling to high quality tournaments, high quality teams. Well, there's the ICs. From my experience, some pretty special places to play. Um, Victoria was one of those places. Kimberley, Sioux City, um, because the fans were amazing and they'd be on the game, you know. Um, Victoria fans were probably quite brutal, mm. um, but they were quite passionate about about the whole thing as well. And yep. and that that actual stadium, I think it was Royal Royal Stadium, was right on you. So you were right amongst the day. Yeah. And you have eight or 10,000 people there. Like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> you know. Um, but that's kind of a bit like Coke Park. I don't know if you remember Coke yep. Park. Man, that place was awesome, mate. Yeah. Um, the backstop was only two metres behind the behind home plate. But shit, it was, it was an awesome place to play. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those, you know, those crowds, the Americans loved it. You get people from all over in the Midwest coming to watch – you get real good crowds at those things, um, and they were just such phenomenal places to play. Um, great atmosphere, um, and it really was the highlight of the year to play in the ICs. Yeah, you know, much probably much more so than the ASA. Even though the ASA was, you know, they had some great tournaments at places like Midland, um, and that was such a that's a good place to play as well. You know, but um, some of those parks were amazing, and, and the crowds were phenomenal. When you talk about, uh, I mean, you have a long career at the ICs, uh, and we're going to touch a bit more on Pencorp's run over these five years. The, the, what are some of the things that sticks in your mind? Like some of the moments in games that sticks in your mind? Um, well, you know, you, you remember certain outs in terms of closing games out as a pitcher. Uh, you remember certain uh, 
things that didn't go your way, like uh, Ed Bomber hitting a home run in the second final of the IC when it was over his head, and you think, what the hell? I didn't want to bring that up. You know, yeah. So there's things like that, you know, that you remember. Um, because, yeah, it's just, just one of those things, you know, you, you're two strikes up and a guy's missed the bunt twice, so you throw a waste pitch over his head and he tomahawks the thing out of the yard, game over. Mm. And you're like, Jesus. Should have just thrown it in the middle. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so um, there's, yeah, there's certain things like that you remember, eh? Um, but, um, you know, 2004. Um, well, coming home. Yeah, yeah we're you know, get getting it. that last out. Yeah. You know, there's certain things like that. There's certain, you know, hitting Darren Box in the head. Yes. In that game. Yeah. Yeah. It was never intentional. No. You know, uh, but the guy crowded the plate and I wasn't giving away the inside. And it just got away and hit him. Mm. You know, it's just you know, I wasn't it wasn't a guy to say, well, you can have it. Yeah, you know, you want it, you're gonna have to hit it. Yeah, and it was just one of those things that got away and, and hit him in the head. And um, it certainly wasn't. Well, you know, when you're playing high stakes like that, you know, you're not going to make it easy for them and give it a you know, give them a free base runner. Yep. So um, yeah, so there's there's things like that stick in your head, and there's probably other moments that were. Quite successful. You don't really remember that much about them, eh? You just, you know, like, um, you know, the 2004 series, for example, you just, it was quite quiet in my head, eh? You know, even though there was 8,000 people there cheering mm. for New Zealand, mm. I was just playing a bit of catch with the catcher. Yeah. You know? So you sort of just zoned out. I, I, I want to ask, um, because we're going to definitely talk quite a bit about 2004, big moment in your life, big moment in New Zealand's sporting uh, landscape as well. Um, but those years with Pen Corp, arguably the first big super team uh, in the ISCs. For you, as a youngster coming into that team and staying there for five years, how did that feel for you, stepping into a superstar team like that? Yeah, I, I guess... Um Going into a team like that, all I knew was the Kiwis, right? Mm. So they were my my uh, you know my go to guys, um, and being that young, you know that team in particular that came to New Zealand. So I sort of knew a few of those guys through that, and I played against them, but didn't really know them, didn't know their reputations and things like that. Um, so you know, I got roomed with a guy. Kirk Odland, who played for Cardinals, mm-hmm. and um, and he looked after me, and you know, um, so you, well, you, well, so it's just so I understand your makeup of that team. Would your would your team come together on the weekend from different parts? Or no, most of, most of them were from Sioux City. Is that right? Yeah, so most of the guys were from Sioux City. Um, Pencorp was an insurance company, mm. so a lot of the guys, Pete Sandman, that were selling insurance. Um, and then there was a few imports, you know, like Schultz and Kernigan and. Sorensen, again, myself. Um, and you guys were full-time with the team. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so we weren't um, – well, it, the landscape changed as time went on. Mm. Um, but – and then you sort of – as you got older, you got to know – because of your exposure to other teams and other players, you got to know, oh, gee, that guy's pretty good. Yeah. You know? um, but prior to that, you didn't know who Bill Boyer was or Randy Burnside or, you know, those types of guys. But um, – which, to a degree – Played in a young person's hands because you weren't sort of you're in the hands of your catcher in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. So you just went out there and played. Yeah, you know, um, didn't worry about reputations. Catcher worried about it. On that note, 
who was some of the best catches in your book you've had the pleasure of throwing to? Well, I, I pitched to Mark Sorensen a lot, um, both domestically and in, in the States and for New Zealand. Um, and, you know, it was one of the things I said to Don Tricker is like, Mark's catching me. Because we, you know, yeah, we had a we'd done pretty well together over a number of different teams. But having said that, in the states, when it came down to ICs, Mark played first base. Mm. Yeah, it's that, that clip we had before. Yeah, Tim so Wall Timmy Wall's up there. Yeah. He was a great catcher. So I've been fortunate, you know, with Corp, Had a guy Steve Zedeker, awesome catcher. He played out in '88 in New Zealand. Um, Randy Burnside, who was just a mountain of a man. He concussed me once. <laughs> whoa, 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 what? Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd hit the first hitter. Yeah. With a, like, I don't know, first pitch of the game. <laughs> he ends up on one. We're down in Nebraska somewhere playing. Yeah. And he's a little pesky little runner, you know, Dean Rice type guy, you know, taking a lead and all yeah. this. And just stay there. You know, so he's faking to go to second base and Randy's like, Randy's kind of keen to throw anybody out, eh? He had a saying, saying, incoming, yeah. you know, like you'd throw the ball harder than the pitcher, right? <laughs> and um, so Randy's a guy, he's probably, I don't know, 270, 6'3", yeah. just a mountain of a man. And this guy fakes, doesn't go. Um, fakes again, I drop to my knee and Randy throws the ball. He draws me right in the head. <laughs> so I've got this golf ball size <laughs> owie off my forehead and I'm, Stand up and I can't walk straight. So that was me done after three pitches <laughs> on, on that, that particular game. Yeah, hit a guy. Guy doesn't yeah. run next yeah. pitch. Yeah, yeah. Two hitters, three pitches gone. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah, and everyone's laughing because I got this golf ball sticking out of my head. They're real nice guys, eh? Um, but you know, like I said, you know, even back um, back in New Zealand, at Hutsu United, guy called Alan Shingleton, um, in St Paul. Two catches, Dino Amundsen and Bill Satzer, um, Pencorp, you know, Mark, Randy, Timmy Wall, Zedica, um, and even, even in Broken Bow, um, Mike Schwieger, who played for the States. Yeah. And we, when you're dealing with different catches uh, throughout your career, what's the key to success? I think um, a lot of those catches understood the pitches mm-hmm. and were able to extract the best out of the pitches. So... I've never been a particular – I've never had the thought process of, oh, he's a drop ball hitter, I'm not going to throw him drop balls. Well, is this in my drop ball? Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, well, what do you do if – well, my string's a drop ball. Mm. I'm going to throw him a lazy rise ball. Yeah. You know, so i just got to throw him a better drop ball or change the speed. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, because, you know, if pitchers, pitchers have a bit of instinct, you know, about what sometimes you'd be up there shaking a – Pitcher off because I've just thrown a rise ball past that guy. I'm going to throw another one, and then I'm going to go up and up up the ladder. Um, and I think sometimes these time these days I watch guys and they like to do it's almost like basketball how you go around the around the world, mm. you know, and they want to throw oh down and out of here, up and in there, down and in there, up and out there. I reckon three to four pitches should do it in terms of getting a header out, yep. you know. And a lot of the times they're going full counts and. Too many pitches, um, and not specialised enough in in setting a hitter up. So um, yeah, so I think a lot of great catchers, are, you know, are good at working pitches and working those locations. 
you know, because really you don't want them hitting the strike, do you? No. You know? Preferably not. Well, not a long way. <laughs> you know, anyway. you want them to swing at something yeah. that's, um, you know, the drop will used to come in at knees and drop below the knees. The yeah. rise will used to come at the waist and rise above the waist. Mm-hmm. You know, the low rise used to freeze them, you know. So um, I remember saying in one picture, what's your best pitch? He goes, low rise. And I was like, well, that works for you, does it? I said, because if you just throw that all day, it's a very good hitting pitch. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, so you sort of throw that off the back of other pitches where mm. – you clip a corner because they think it's outside or they think it's a drop ball coming so they're not yep. swinging and they think it's going to go below the zone. So you freeze them. Yeah. That's my interpretation of a low rise. Yeah. So it's interesting how, you know, different approaches. Yep. Yep. Mate, talking about uh, approaches with with pitches, uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier, you were 19 years old when you won your first ICs and you made MVP of uh, pitching, uh, most valuable pitcher uh, for the tournament. At 19, did the enormity of that award, how long did that take to sink in? Oh, I was, I think it sunk in pretty quickly because, you know, here's Brian Adenwood walking past you, going to the all-world team as well, and you're thinking, oh, these guys are really good. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's like, you're sort of a, wow, wow, that's, you know, got on the phone back to the hotel and called mum and told her what was, you know, what had happened, and so it was like, Pretty stoked and pretty amazed that, you know, being able to achieve that. But it was also not possible without, you know, the team you play on, yep. you know, sort of thing. Um, but also pretty grateful too because, you know, on a team like that, um, if I had to pitch the first game and Paul pitches the second game, then potentially he gets, yeah, you know, yeah. five wins. Yes. Or what, you know, and so however that works out. Mm. So I don't know how they... Yeah, I happen to have more wins than Paul, but it's yep. just, you know, I'm just saying if there's another game where Paul pitches, he gets more wins than he ends up being MVP, right? Yes. So, you know, also quite, you know, grateful around that and, you know, humble about the opportunity and humble about you know, the the award. It's mm. awesome, eh, Damien? It's quite a th- trend there with uh, humility. Elite athletes and yeah. humble people, mate. Yeah, hard out. Hello. What we've seen through all, what, 18 episodes now? Yeah, bloody awesome, bloody awesome indeed. Um, mate, uh, you did go on to play a couple of other seasons for teams at the IOCs, but it wrapped up with your induction into the Hall of Fame, I think, 2019, and you got to go in with a fellow Kiwi. What was that What was that trip like? Yeah, that was an awesome trip. Um, obviously, it came a long time after I'd finished my, my playing career, and yeah. um, I think as we were discussing earlier, it was really through a guy called Bill Hillhouse who um, contacted me and made me aware that you know, I should be there or qualified to be there or however they do it. Yeah. So he was the one who nominated me. Um, he actually nominated me for the year before, but he was late with that application and already done it. So he, re- he resubmitted it and then, um, and then um, yeah, I was I was nominated to go in. And one of the things they wanted was to make sure you went. I'm like, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go to America. I like America. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I. Um, I, I took um, my boy Michael and my daughter Olivia, the two oldest ones, with me and made a bit of a trip of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we flew into Chicago, had a few days there, drove up to uh, Wisconsin. Yep. And uh, watched a bit of ball, caught up with the Rebelkies who uh, were from a Minnesota team. Oh, yeah, the very yeah. first team. First team. Wow. And they came along. And then Gail Kurtz from uh, Pencorp, my original coach, and mm-hmm. another guy, Bob Sturgis, who I played with, came along. And even Mark Sorensen, 
came along. So a guy I played with many years, yep. made the trip as well, which was pretty awesome, pretty amazing. And, um, yeah, we, we did the breakfast. They do an induction breakfast. And, uh, you know, uh, it was it was actually really good to go back to the IC and, and just observe. Yeah. Um, because it's still cool. Yeah. You know. Um, and to be back in the Midwest because I spent quite a bit of time in the Midwest. And, um, the and memories? Yeah, yeah. Look, and... and well, and the funny thing is, is is the amount of people that I hadn't seen for such a long time and came out of the woodwork yeah. from around Wisconsin and, and, and that, and it was like, wow, it's quite amazing really, you know. There's a lot of beers to catch up Yeah, with. yeah, there's a few of those. <laughs> um, and um, so uh, then we, so, and then I took my kids up to New York for a week. Nice. And um, yeah, we had an awesome time. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So. Mate, before we go back to the Sox, um, back to New Zealand, when people in the States uh, think about uh, Jimmy Cena, uh, Seaman, or, or Jimmy Wanner, yeah. um, what would you like them to remember? Oh, just that I was um, a competitive Kiwi, you know, representing us, um, you know, who uh, gave it what he could. Um, but I was also a person who was, um, you know, you could approach and talk to afterwards, you know, because um, you know uh, uh, America was good to me, softball's been good to me, and I've met a lot of great people um, and got to travel far and wide: America, Canada, Botswana, Italy, Samoa, South Africa, you know, lots of different places to be. You yeah. know, so yeah. pretty fortunate to to um, do all of those things through through a game that we play. Um, you know, uh, I think w- when we went to 17, we were in Canada playing. We were getting our asses kicked by Canada, actually. And um, we did, actually. And then we went back and we were watching this game. And Mark and I were sitting, Mark Sorensen and I were sitting on this park bench. And there was this guy in front of us talking to this other guy. Mm. And he was talking about teams from our area like, and players. Was you know, this in Vancouver? This is in Vancouver, yeah. in South Hill. Right. And I said to Mark, mate, that's Duke. You think? I said, yeah, Duke Hill. And he goes, jeez, it is too, mate. And he was our trainer from Sioux City. No way. Yeah, man. He was a Canadian. Yeah. And he used to coach ice, uh, used to train for ice hockey teams and that. So he'd ended yeah. up, up up there. And I went, Duke. And this guy turns around. He goes, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I remember Duke being this big, massive guy. Mm. And then we ended up getting a photo of Mark and I, and he didn't look so massive anymore. <laughs> so I don't know if he shrunk or we just got a whole lot bigger, you know. Let's just say you got to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, this old boy was talking about back in the day and all these teams, and I'm looking at this guy at his bald head from the rear. And I said, man, that's, that's Duke, mate. Yeah. So. Wicked. Pretty cool. Talk about that back in the day, mate. In, in all of your time in playing in the ISCs, you, you arguably played your international career uh, during an era of the best pitching, and I mean the depth of pitching uh, spread across all the teams. Who were some of the pitchers that really st- stuck in your mind? Yeah, well, I think um, not to d- take away from those e- other eras, but in the time I was in, you had a lot more internationals in there. Mm. Um, because there's obviously quite a lot of great American pitchers and the brew bakers, etc. Um, but you know, 
you go to the ICs and there'll be games played at 2am in the morning yeah. going 20 innings, yeah. you know, because Marty Grant's got in a tilt with Pete Meredith or something or Russell Cooper. You know, those are just Kiwis. Mm. Then you got Underwood, Zach, you know, then there's uh, Jim Cowdery's and uh, Pete Landers have got, I remember we went up to Canada once and played this team. And there's this guy, I'm thinking, oh, he's quite old. And it was um, this guy, Pete Landers, they called him the hook. Yeah. Because he basically threw this ball that hooked at you, eh? Yeah. And he was quite a bit older. He's probably late 40s. Mm. And he still stuck it up you that way, <laughs> you know. Um, Gene McWillie, you know, any number of greats. You know, Chub Tangaroa, there was a period of time there when he threw ISCs and ASAs and just threw so many innings and just got them to the show, which is, you know, mm. the end of the end of the road, you know. Yeah. And without him, those are marathon performances, you know. Mm. And Meredith was the same. I mean, Meredith played on a lot of teams like the Farm and Transier and lose a lot of games one zip, you know. Um, so it wasn't until we went to Salt Lake that he had a bit of bit, bit, bit more success. Um, but, you know, there were, you know, McGann, Schultz, there was Lauren Algar, Paul Algar, you know, people like Kevin Henderson being over there. These are just the Kiwi guys. John Dawson back with Turquoise Kings back in the day. Um, Goldsmiths out of Hawke's Bay. So there's there's a ton of, and there's a ton of um, Canadian guys as well. So um, it was a pretty pretty special time. Um, there'd be lots of guys I'm missing. Um, but, you know, I still just, if you weren't playing in it, you sort of, I don't want to sit in around the hotel room. I wanted to see those, see those guys throwing the ball. Mm. You know, yeah, mm. mate. Um, I, I note there is a, a gap in your uh, playing time uh, with New Zealand. However, before that and in amongst it, you fitted in seven national titles with PK. What was that run like? From yeah, ninety four that... to two thousand and four, seven titles in ten years. Yeah, I'd come back. So I played that with Sioux City and through to 92. And at the end of that season, the sponsor got into a bit of financial difficulty mm-hmm. and I was going to college over there. And basically, he couldn't afford to pay that. So I decided to come home. And because um, I'd started college over the university, yep. I decided to go to university. Yep. So I enrolled at Victoria. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what I did. I went to uh, uni. Um, and then I think in 95, I went and played with Broken Bow. And we went to with uh, Mike Nichols and Freddie White. Yep. And we went and played in the IC in Sioux City. And I think we finished about sixth um, in that tournament. And then I played the next year and we played in Kimberley. Um, and that was my last, last year. But, but in 95, I'd... Bought a Subway franchise mm-hmm. um, And I set up a Subway store And I ended up having Five Subway stores um, Right through to 2004 um, So Softball Kind of wasn't number one anymore um, Had our first child Olivia yep. In uh, 98 So Although I was playing Club Provincials um, It wasn't what it used to be to me, but I could still compete at those levels. Yeah, uh, make the odd New Zealand team here and there, you know. But mm-hmm. um, 
And that kind of led to my retirement in 2002, I think it was, um, because I felt I couldn't give it what it re- required. And yep. I'd, you know, I'd done a lot of things in the game and decided to hang up my boots, basically. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of... Yeah, but PK, you know, we'd won seven national titles in yeah. that period, and um, it was Marty. We had, you know, we had Marty Grant, myself, and Glenn Davis as pitchers. So, um, you know, um, and that workload, you know, that was fine. Was Two righties it? and lefties, yeah, perfect yeah, combination. So it was a pretty good team. Yeah, yeah. What changed? Uh, Two thousand and three. Yeah. Um, that's when, um, well, the I, the ISF was going to be held in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'd, um, as much as I'd played for the New Zealand team and the Junior Black Sox, I'd never played in the World Series. So I was kind of of the view, well, it's in New Zealand. Um, it's not going to take me away from business and stuff like that. Um, so I rang Don Tricker, who was the, the coach, and yep. said, um, uh, what would I need to do to in his team and he basically said that you need to get more consistent mate um, that's the biggest thing we need consistency so basically what he's saying we need to know what we're going to get yeah. when you go out there which is kind of what you sign up to right when you bring somebody in so I took that on board and hired a personal trainer and dropped 15 kilos and got myself in shape mm. um, I took stock of who was around and Rated my chances. Yep. And um, I got selected um, for the team, um, which almost didn't didn't happen in the end because on Boxing Day I pulled my calf muscle in <laughs> um, Hytaita Park with Mark Sorensen training, yep. warming up, and um, my soleus calf muscle went ping, 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 snap. Damn. And I couldn't walk. Because the world tournament from memory was February, Marchish. Yeah, it was um, somewhere in that, that, that era. Eh? I think it. Yeah, what was the date? Yeah, it was about twenty day, twenty eight days or something from well, that point. Well, so I couldn't pitch. Mm. So we went to Christchurch, I think, for a final camp, and we played a Canterbury Invitational team, and that was maybe like twenty oh, odd days after I'd done that injury. And um, I was real nervous because, you know, you feel a twinge and you think, oh, shit. Yeah. Yep. So we played this game and it was kind of low. I can't remember how it went about whether it was loaded against us or not. But anyway, pitched the game. We won the game, but wasn't a great performance by me or all the team for that matter. Mm. I gave up, uh, I think, a home run to Big Red. Might have even been two home runs to Big Red guy. Mm. Uh, um, it was Chris Reed. And... Um, we went back to the accommodation and um, had a team meeting. And Thomas Mark here, who's a guy I didn't say much, mm. just sort of looks at you. Yeah. And he said, singled me out and said, um, it's not good enough. Wow. And, and I took that on board and I thought, well, you know what, you're right. And... If my, if my calf muscle goes, it goes. I can't control that. So my attitude from that point on was, we'll just give it everything you got. Yep. I can't control whether I'm going to get hurt or not. Yep. And, yeah, so I was scared of, you know, I'd, I'd finally made this team. Mm. I'd been and played it. My my thought process with that game was get through the game. You know, yep. that was my yep. goal. 
and pitched, get through the game, that's a building block. You know, and Thomas was, that wasn't good enough. Which was right. Yeah. You know, because if you're going to win something, you've got to be given everything, right? Mm. And, um, yeah, so that was quite a a light bulb moment. Yep. And, um, yeah, we went on and obviously won that thing and um, I did okay in that tournament. Not too bad at all. Mm. Just before I get to the start of the tournament, just before the tournament, also one of your fellow pitchers goes down yeah. with an injury. Yeah, Marty, how was that, man? And how did how did you and how did the team cope with that? Well, yeah, that was uh, we were oh, we were just I think we were just training, and there was nothing. You know, and the same thing happened to Marty. He pulled calf muscle, mm. and uh, he was gone. Uh, I think it was the night before. Um, and it was, uh, you know, really upsetting for Marty because, um, you know, he'd been part of uh, 96 and 2000 and um, and he was literally gone from the team in terms of participating as an athlete. Um, so young Thomas Cameron was brought into the team. Yep. And, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of a lot of ways, you know, Tommy was doing quite good that year, but... Again, he was a youngster like I was a youngster and yep. didn't, you know, he was having good success. But it's funny because I've um, hired Tommy as a personal trainer now <laughs> and I've been with him for eight months and, you know, I've been training with him and yeah. starting to get myself back in shape. And we talk about a lot of these sort of things and there's quite a lot of similarities and you talk about, you know, you just went and pitched because you didn't know any different. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. Didn't worry about reputations. You know, all that sort of thing. So, and Thomas had a lot of success when he was young, mm. you know. Um, but it's really good connecting with Thomas. Um, and he's working with young kids now, putting back into the game, you know, Ricky Grant's yep. kids. And, yeah, yeah, you know, young Ethan. Yeah, so it's kind of really cool. You know, he's doing that at that level and, you know, I'm helping out poor Nicky kids and things like that, yep. and, you know, if people ask, like, Thomas, like, hey, you want to come and help out, you know, you sort of go and help out, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's yeah. pretty cool, and, you know, and Thomas is working with people and, you know, doing his gig, and, yeah, it's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. Now you mentioned that about Thomas and a youngster coming in, and obviously with uh, with with your experience in that campaign at the time, this is a good question, mate. What's the difference between a thrower and a pitcher? Well, a pitcher probably... Um, Knows how to exploit hitters, I think. Whereas a thrower will just, you know, catch all call and you'll throw it, basically. Um, whereas if you get the combat, you know, a pitcher and a, and a great catcher are, are really hard to beat. Um, and pitching is a bit of an art um, because, you know, there's plenty of guys who have won big things and not had their great game, mm. you know. Um, I think, from what I understand, you know, Whitey prior to that perfect game, didn't have nothing on the ball, mm. and he comes out and he throws that game with a pitch he's been working on called a cutter. Yeah, and he just had them in fits, right? Um, so a pitcher, you know, they don't give up, eh? Yeah, uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way in terms of other people pitching, but. Mm. You know, there's 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 a level of um, of um, art around that that skill set. You know, in terms of because it's almost the big tease, isn't it? You know, you throw a pitch down. Where do I go now? Yeah, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas 
I used to really hate the game when pitches almost became what I just called um, the start. You know, start a game. Yeah. All I there is to do is to get the play going. You know, and actually, the thing I got out of pitching was guys coming out striking out sixteen. Mm. You know, and blowing people away. Yeah. Because it's kind of like test cricket. If you if you like test cricket, you the purest in me likes to watch people throw the ball by people or yep. or throw change ups or whatever it may be. You know, so it's that whole one on one. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like um Folkard in two thousand and nine. Threw the rise ball waist high, no one could hit it. Yeah. Blew people away. Mm. You know, now guys couldn't lay off it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, hard. Yeah. When, when, for a for a pitcher coming up uh, uh, through the grades, when and what's the best advice you can give them to start to develop into a pitcher instead of just a thrower? Well, I, I think, you know, the thing about you've obviously got to work at your 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 mechanics in terms of, um, you know, getting the best out of your body. Yep. Um, but being able to move the ball and uh, change speeds is, is the way to go, you know. Um, which, you know, from a really basic point of view, it's coming down to your spins in terms of your movement, things like that. So those are all, a, it's always the walk before you can run, right? So until you can master those things, just like any other sport, you have to do all of those basics, but then be able to do them really, really well. Um, and once you are able to develop those skills, then you can learn the craft of the game. And that's around location, pitch count, all of those sorts of things, mm-hmm. you know, where the hit is standing. Yep. So there's different nuances you can learn what this pitcher looks for, situational pitching, you know. In the situation, it'd be like a golf shot. Okay, where do I not want to be, you know? Yep. Okay, so I'm going to hit it on the left-hand side. Same like pitching sometimes. Okay, where's my safe option here? Ground ball to the, you know, mm. 2004, you know, last hurdle of the game, I want a ground ball to Dion Nukunuku. Yeah. That's it. Mm. Safe all day long because I know he's going to pick it up, he's going to throw the guy out, you know. We're yeah. not going to give him an opportunity to drive the ball out of the yard. So things like that. Yeah, nice. Well, since you mentioned 2004, let's get to it, man. Obviously, I said leader to a little bit earlier, uh, one of the big marquee sporting moments in New Zealand, especially in the softball fraternity, uh, without a doubt. First question's got to be, mate, what what was the opportunity like to play for New Zealand at home at a World Cup? Yeah, look, that doesn't come around very often, eh? Um, And there's um, obviously a handful of sports that have have had that. Mm. So... That was a, a big carrot for me with my own uh, personal life and business life at the point in time. Um, but also, you know, some people say there's pressure that comes with that being at home, but to me it gives you an opportunity to share that, you know, with the people that are important to you, yes. with the, the people in the game. Because, you know, a lot of people who support the game don't invariably get to go to a World Series because they're generally overseas, right? So there's so many things that come out of that that shouldn't feel like pressure. They should feel like, you know, regardless of the result, a chance to celebrate, right? Um, So, you know, again, those things are, I was lucky enough, had my parents there, my wife there, had my daughter there, um, and, you know, I was very, obviously had some really good mates and they had their family who we knew very well and all those sorts of things. So a pretty tight-knit group. Um, 
And those are really special because you never really get those opportunities that often. So um, no, that's um, that's you know right up there in terms of uh, my career. Um, the result was obviously great, and um, it's it's one of those lifetime once in a lifetime opportunities. You mentioned a little bit earlier that um, that week in Christchurch, or whatever it was, week and a half in Christchurch, that things were quiet for you. What did you mean by that? Oh, I, I think, um, you know, like, that that was more around um, that final against Canada. Um, I think Chubby delivered the news about who was pitching. And he said, oh, Mikey, you're going to... Mike Gage, are you going to pitch? Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, shit. Thought I'd be pitching in my own mind, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was a bit disappointed about that because I felt that I'd sort of got us there. Done well that week, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I quickly put that to one side and thought, well, well, that's how we're starting. So I've got to be ready. Yeah. And that was my mindset, was to be ready. Um, so I actually got ready right from the start. Nice. Um, <laughs> Lucky you did. <laughs> well, I just didn't know yeah. that you just didn't know. Yeah. And, you know, it's a big stage. Yep. And, you know, sometimes getting out of the first inning is the hardest thing, eh? Yeah, yeah. So I actually got ready like I was pitching the game. Nice. And I continued to stay ready. So when my comment about being silent or it was quiet – was there was a lot of people there and there was a lot of noise, but oh, yeah. I, I really couldn't hear it because mm. I was just focused on Mark, me, and trying to, you know, do my job. Mate, leading up to that match uh, throughout the week, um, you had a very good hitting lineup behind you. <laughs> yeah, well, mate, you shut out Team USA. You beat Canada uh, in the winner's bracket final. Mm. Yeah, look, um, you put on some really good performances. Did that help you leading in if you were going to get an opportunity in the big one? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that team was probably one of the best hitting Black Sox teams ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably highly unlikely they're going to be shut out. Um, so, from a pitching point of view, you you sort of, you know, you just had to go there and pitch right, yeah, um, and get your team back in and have a crack. Mm. Um, you know, there was uh, – and that team didn't back down. You know, there was um, – you know, and, and the Canadians don't back down either. They're actually quite a lot, a lot like Kiwis. Yeah, yeah, hard. Very you know? similar. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very similar. Um, and they don't back down either, you mm. know. Um, and there was a couple of instances throughout those different games, the finals and the, what was effectively the semifinal, where um, the team sort of checked each other out really, you know. Uh, there's player third base, I think, with Brad Warner. Mm. You know, bit of pushing and shoving going That's on. Right, and with Jody Ike. Yeah, big yeah. Bradman's not going to back down. You know, um, the dugouts cleared when I um, hit Darren Box mm-hmm. um, on the inside, and Canadians came running out, and um, that was uh, an unintentional moment. But uh, big Darren stands on the inside, and I wasn't going to give away the inside, and, and it was actually a drop ball that ended up hitting in the, in the head, which um, wasn't the intent, but. Mm. You know, tempers uh, uh, and emotions were pretty high. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just one of those things that, that happened, which wasn't supposed to happen, but, yeah, uh, the Canadians reacted as, as they 
probably would expect him to. So you, as you said, got ready. Uh, you weren't named as a starting pitcher. Michael Gager was, but you then had to come into the match early with New Zealand behind and behind by quite a few runs, mate. What is going through your mind when you take the rubber or the pitching block mm. in that situation in that bigger moment? Well, I think always the case is to get the boys back into hit, eh? Yeah. You know, because um, you don't want to effectively add fuel to the fire. Is <laughs> is uh, the old uh, adage on that? So it was kind of like getting out, you know. Um, I can't remember what the outs were at that point, but getting out to get us the hell out of here, so that um, we can try and come back and just then get a run back. Yep. You know, um, try and halve the lead. I mean, some of those Black Sox teams have been very resilient, and that wasn't uh, that was so like in twenty seventeen we played those Canadians in the rain. I think we were down like 8-1 or something, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And that team came back and continued to play. Well, we made the Canadians play in the rain after we'd done the rain mm. and we got a few runs back. And then we carried on, got a few more runs back. We ended up winning that game. That's right. You know, uh, which put us into the final. So that's that's the thing about, you know, some of those Black Sox teams and, um, you know, is that resilience, you know. Being able to come back and a bit of adversity and, you know, just stick to the process. Put Trust this, yourself. Put this into context, uh, Damien. It's it's the World Cup, we know that for sure. It's the grand final. But in New Zealand's sporting landscape at the time, the Rugby Sevens are on in Wellington. And back in those days, that tournament would sell out in like one hour, if that. It's that big an event. Sopple was free to ear for that World Cup, especially that grand final day, and the ratings for that grand final were higher than the Rugby Sevens. It was a phenomenal feature that New Zealand public enjoyed watching the Black Sox do what they did. You've got to watch your boys strike the bat. Patrick Shannon hits one out. Mm. Uh, um, Mark hits one out. Mark Sorensen hits yeah. one out. Uh, as well, and then late in the piece, even Dion Nukunuku hits one out. Hits yeah. one out, Oppo. Yeah, uh, as well. What was it like? Obviously, doing your part defensively. What was it like watching them offensively climb back in and take the lead with quite a lead? Well, I think um, you know that's pitching's part of the whole gig is uh, getting your guys back in to be in a position to not hit with pressure. It's a lot easier hitting without pressure, right? Mm. Because if you're chasing runs or you're feeling like you haven't got enough runs because your guy in the middle is potentially going to give up some more runs and guys try to do more than what you can and all you can do at any one at bat is, you know, what you can do at the single, double, at best a home run, mm. right? Um, and that's all about momentum, eh, at the end of the day. And slowly but surely, somebody at a home run, you know, another base runner, another home run. Oh, next minute we're ahead. Yep. You know, and so it goes on. And then the whole momentum thing s- swings, right? We've we've not given up any runs. Now we've now we're ahead of the game. Their heads are down a bit. You know, and the whole game changes. The whole di- you know dimension of the game changes. Yeah. And um, that's the whole nuance of the whole thing, really. You, you mentioned a little bit earlier that um, the Kiwis and the Canadians are very similar mm. with their style of ball, their their passion for the game, but also 
would say the same with they will never give up. And we're just going to watch a clip here. This is the beginning towards the end of the match, around the sixth and the seventh innings. Uh, when you guys are in the lead, I think it's nine runs to four by this time, but you always know that Canada are not going to give up. So late in that match, they do, I think, pick up another run there, Canada. They're trying to come back into the match. What's going through your mind there as you're looking into your catcher, Mark Sorensen? Yeah, well, obviously they got you know some base runners, but um, you don't want to give up any runs for starters. But you've you've it's really about getting out to that point, you know, and stopping the momentum, um, which becomes a little bit of a baseball thing at the end of the day, isn't it? Because you've got a bit of a, a run lead. So what you don't want is a, is a big inning. So get a ground ball, get an out, cut the momentum, you know, maybe get a double play if you can. So, And I think we ended up in that position where we ended up getting a ground ball to close it out in the end, you know. Um, but it's typical of a lot of big games where, you know, it's not over till it's over, eh? Somebody gets something going um, and then you go, oh, Shit, one swing of the bat here, she's all tied up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, and I, I don't think a World Series would, would um, be a World Series without situations like that. Canada's got the will to win. They, 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 they know their backs are against the wall. You've got the will to win on the hill. Your teammates right beside you have got the will to win. How do you get the mental edge to actually get that win? <sighs> don't give in, mate. Yeah. You know? I think, I think, yeah. I think you stick to your game plan. Um, you try and exploit their weaknesses. The thing about Canadians is they probably want to pull that ball really, really hard. So don't give them that opportunity. Yeah. You know, so that's where you got to, you know, come back and try and hit that location you really want in that big time situation. Um, and it's like I said before about trying to take it away from them where somebody's trying to drive it down the alley. Um, and there's probably a couple of instances where. You know, some of those pitches weren't where they wanted to be and they drove it to the outfield. Mm. So you have to take stock of that and go, right, that ain't going to work. Yeah. You know, we need to get something, you know, strike them out, drop all something to, you know, we can make get a play out of. We don't want them driving the ball. Mm. And I think if you see in those last few outs, everything was sort of down low. We got that strike out of JDI. Um, you know, getting the ground ball uh, to Dion, which uh, I'm pretty sure was left handed hitter again, and, and getting him out. Well, you did right, mate. That's the next clip here. You've got an opportunity. He's one down in, in the bottom of the seventh innings to win it all for New Zealand on home soil. And you guys do this. Mm-hmm. See on the outside half again, eh? Yep. You know? This is Colin Abbott, isn't it? 
needs to start hit her eight. But he likes the ball on the inside half, you know. That boy's had a lot of big games in, uh, in the States. But, you know, Mark Sorensen played with Colin a lot of years as well. All car, different yeah. teams. Um, so he knew him pretty well. So effectively you're trying not to give up on them in terms of what they're looking to do, yeah. looking at what their money pitches, um, and try and take that away from them. I mean, he still hit the ball hard probably, um, but you can get a glove on and make a play. You know, and at that level, it's guys do hit the ball hard, right? They sure do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, there's not many soft outs. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, that was a pretty phenomenal team, eh? That team. Um, you know, you had little Carl Gollum pitch one game against Canadians, little lefty, and sort mm. of um, perplexed them, shall we say? Yeah. You know, um, and um, yeah, the adversity of Marty not being there and. You know, young Thomas Cameron coming in and Samoa had their first, I think it was their first World Series. Played opening game against yeah, us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, almost beat you. Yeah, yeah 2-1. That's right. Gus yeah. Ledger had a home yeah. run. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, there's a lot of lot of good things out of that, eh? Getting that last out, climbing the mountain. Oh, that was probably the biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, actually getting the last out and, uh, and getting to win, I think, um, you know, uh, as much as um, – there's success and pride and all that. It's probably a bit of relief at winning at home as well, you know, because you, you you don't want to come second. Yeah, relief who, with the pressure. Who was the first high five or the first hug in the mash? Oh, it's probably Sorensen. I think. <laughs> I think he said he was trying to lift me up, but then realised that was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, no, it's pretty good. I mean, a lot of good mates in that team. So, and we all just, uh, you know, got in a huddle, basically. Mm. Yeah, mate. I talked about it being the highest ranking sporting event uh, on TV uh, that day uh, in New Zealand. Um, but to do it on home soil, mate. As you watch this clip, mate, how does it make you feel? As a not just uh, as a softball player, but as a Kiwi. Well, it's obviously a proud moment, mate. I mean, look at it, you know. I mean, you don't get that opportunity many times, do you? Yeah, maybe once, if you're lucky. So, um, and to share it with your brothers and your family and, you know, there's nothing else like it, you know. Um, you know, Jared was our, was our captain, a uh, great leader, um, had a bit of adversity prior to it. Um, but, you know, we all pulled together and got through it. So, um, that was a special bunch of guys, you know. Some pretty, uh, you know, Trix has gone to do other things and Chubb's just been put in a, a Horofanua Hall of Fame, I yes, think, last week. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of guys going on to do different things, you know. <laughs> Got to have a Chahu in there. Yeah, for sure. Some horns in there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that no, was great. It's bloody awesome. Well, mate, congratulations. And, um, you know, I can't say it on behalf of uh, New Zealand. Uh, I can only say it on behalf of myself. But uh, truly a special moment uh, there for New Zealand, New Zealand softball, uh, the community. Uh, I remember going there with my uh, with my wife and my, mm. my oldest daughter now. Well, she was in a pram uh, there for that well, week. Yeah. And just love every minute, minute of uh, 
watching you guys perform at the highest level and of course uh yeah, it was a phenomenal week, mate. I mean, um, I think there was even a uh, civic celebration afterwards in, in the square and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah. And it was a three-peat, yeah. Yep. So yeah, let's, um, let's not undersell that. That that, that, <laughs> uh, that hasn't been done very often, if at all, I think. Yep, no, it's, um, yeah, no. So, you know, um, it, was pr- it was pretty special. Um, and that was the last team of um, prior to what they call pigs. Playing enhancement grounds. Oh right. Mm. So they were the real amateurs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, hard. Yeah. Yep. Looks like a difficult trophy to drink off. Yeah, I'm not sure it feeds so well in that uh, department. <laughs> 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 I did actually get to go to that um, Civic Square or down the whatever it was. Yeah. At the middle of Christchurch, uh, I think it was a couple of days afterwards or something yeah. like that. And uh, a few like glasses on it. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys, uh, Jared, got you guys to sing uh, a band or a, a, yeah, a band of men. Band of men, eh? Yeah. Ten guitars. On. Ten guitars. <laughs> I had a band of men. <laughs> Yeah, but you look at your uh, Black Sox career and, and and internationally, bro. What are some of the funny stories and moments that you always cherish? Oh, look, there's there's probably lots of things you can't talk about. Yeah. Um, yes, you can. But um, <laughs> you know, there's there's you know, I've been very blessed to be parts of different teams, locally American, you know, national teams. Been to lots of different places. You know, seen lots of guys do some amazing things. You know, I think, I think we were in Kelowna once on a New Zealand team, and it was Spanky Roberts' birthday. Um, and my recollection is, um, he he was lead off, hit a home run. I think he actually had three home runs that night. You know, and uh, all on his birthday. Yeah. You know, um, then you see guys throw crazy games. You know, in terms of of pitching and and uh, things like that. Um. And, you know, then there's been different funny moments, which, you know, I alluded to before, um, with guys like Murray McLean and a guy giving him a glove and turning inside out and saying, try that one. Yeah. You know, so... Um, Is there some truth or a story that Mark Sorensen got struck out by a 60-year-old? Yeah, so in, in America, I mean, everyone knows Mark as being the king of softball and the best yeah. hitter in the world and all this sort of thing. But, um, you know, we played a lot together and played in the States and there's this old boy called Pete Kulenkamp. And Mark will love me telling the story. <laughs> and uh, it'll, it'll ruin the myth or the legend. And um, this is probably about 50 or 60. He looked about 90. Yeah. You know, he had a walking stick. And he'd come out. He's a bit left-handed and he'd be hunched over. He could hardly walk. And he'd come out and he'd thumb it in there. Yeah. You know? And he had this great change-up. And I think he got Mark probably three times in this game, eh? <laughs> got the old sombrero. Um, I'm probably lying there, but he he it did strike him out. I mean, he was responsible for Mark's slump in America. Um, but yeah, we, we we quite often have a bit of a giggle about that, eh? Yeah, um, they could make that better as if the pitcher walks off at the end of the game goes, "Here, yeah. use my walking well, stick next time." The, the funny thing with old Pete Cullen camp, you'd be yeah. on the mound and he's this old bugger, yeah. really grey and old, and he'd look at Mark and go, and he'd give him a big old wink, <laughs> <laughs> like I got you. <laughs> That's exceptional. Yeah. Uh, it really, really is, man. And uh, like I said, for me, that 2004 was it was an amazing moment. I actually have, uh, um, I got, a, I got a ball. I went into your dugout. Huh? I got a story about the ball, but <laughs> I don't know if I should tell it. But um, 
Yeah, yeah anyway, I got, a, I got a match ball. It was all sold out. I managed to get a match ball. It was off Wu. That's mm. anyway, quick to the story. Um, he was behind the day at rubbing up some balls during the grand final. Mm. Uh, and um, I said, hey, Wu, man, I haven't uh, – we've sold out of match balls and I want to get one so I can get the, the guys to sign it. And um, he goes to me, Chopper, watch these balls. I'll be right back. And I thought he meant – Take one? <laughs> so I did. Right? I well, that's what you heard anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> so these are brand new match balls yeah. going to the game. I yeah. grab one, put it in my pocket. And anyway, Wu comes back and he's got like a used match ball. And I'm oh. like, oh, I oh, know it's good. I, will. I couldn't right. take that. Yeah. I couldn't take that. No, that's, and I just walked off. Put that one in the game. Yeah. So uh, that's the ball. I went into your dugout straight after the uh, the final there. Uh, I congratulated you boys and then uh, and got you to sign the ball. I have <laughs> stole from you. <laughs> I have it mounted at Tony home. Giles, Tony Giles, Tony Giles. <laughs> <laughs> mounted at home, man, on this trophy. And I took one of the programs and got all your uh, profile pictures around oh, the base wow. of it type thing. So it's one of the prized positions at home for sure. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah really there. <laughs> I, um, oh, you, you love this story. A mate of mine was um, working at um, Upper Hutt. Rugby club there, demolishing the stand. Good. And um, already sounds like a good story. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, what they found was a framed Black Sox, two thousand and two thousand, I think it was. And it's got the team photo and these new news articles all done up professionally. Wow. And um, I said, oh, well, you won't need that. I'll take that. Thanks. So I've got that. Well, I wasn't in the team, but I'll give it to one of the brothers who <laughs> yeah. was in the team, you know. Yeah, nice. but it was in, yeah, up there in Upper Hutt. And there was another, this old wooden box of wow. stuff as well. They must have found it in somewhere. Yeah, so demolishing away. the bloody um, the stadium. Wow. Sir yeah. Budge is probably looking for his stuff <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, mate, I don't want to glaze over it, but uh, at the end of your playing career, you've come back and you've – uh, given back to the game, you mentioned that you're coaching now um, here at the Missile. You've got a young fella, nine-year-old coming up, Hurler, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but at the highest level, man, with the Golden Homes Black Sox, three tilts at World Cups and, of course, uh, you know a golden one in Whitehorse. What's that ride been like? Oh, yeah, look, I, I first got into it in, um, I think, 05, which was kind of a strange experience um, because I'd... Retired in 04 and then next minute Eddie Colassi became the yep. coach and says, oh, mate, um, would you be the pitching coach? And I was like, oh, well, I'm playing. That's kind of odd. So anyway, I did that and um, that culminated in going to Saskatoon in 09, um, which was, you know, a great honour. And But coaching's quite different to playing, eh? I was going to get to that. Yeah. 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 So um, that whole... Um, you know, managing people and personalities, and that's quite a challenge sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, um, I had a few stints at that, and um, oh nine, I th- we we finished second uh, to a very good Australian team behind the pitching of um, Adam Falkart. You know, who uh, would have beaten anybody that week? Yeah, particularly in that last game. Um, and then. I sort of stepped out of it, and then um, Mark Sorensen got involved, and um, it was actually only by accident I got back involved again, mm-hmm. um, because I was at the Evergreens tournament in Masterton. Yeah. And I think it was um, Jaden Moore said to me, mate, are you applying for that job? I said, oh, what job's that? He goes, the pitching coach for the Black Sox. So I said, no, nah, man, I haven't thought about it. 
He goes, I haven't got anybody. I went, nah, that'll be right. Um, so I actually called Mark and said, oh, hey, mate, um, there's a pitching job coming up, da, 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 but just letting you know if you need any help, you know, um, I can help out, sort of thing. But if you've got somebody else, that's cool too, yep. sort of thing. And he goes, nah, mate, yeah, nah, nah. I said, oh, when's it close? He goes, tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, oh. So anyway, I filled out an application and put that in and sort of, um, I think I think somebody else put their name in. Um, but anyway, you know, getting that gig and um, that led to some pretty special, you know, yeah. times. And, um, you know, we culminated in going to Whitehorse, um, which we won. Um, not without its challenges, yeah. to be fair. Right. You know, we should have lost to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, we should have lost to Canada. Mm. And uh, we probably should have lost to Australia in the final. You know? Yeah. Um, but um, Japan did that good old thing where they think they should change a picture and bring in a guy who's we've faced all the time in New Zealand. Yeah. And Nathan sticks him over the fence or what, you know. Mm. And so we end up coming back and winning that game. Yep. And same with the Canadian game. Um, and then obviously... Um, Joel Bloody Evans hits a ball out of the park to, to win that last game when we were down going into the, I think, the last inning. Yeah. Shit, yeah. You know? Um, sure did. Yeah, so, you know, like, but, you know, we had a bit of a tour. It was a rough tour. Vancouver. Yep, you got mentioned that earlier, yeah. Beat up by Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Arguably, they were the best team there. Yeah. Um, Nick Hayes took one off his um, kneecap, I think. And um, we had to make a call because mm-hmm. he was saying he was hurt and we were saying, well, you're going to have to have a fitness test tomorrow and if you fail, we're going to bring in Chappie. Mm-hmm. He passed the fitness test. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, but he came in big time. Yep. Um, Nick. Which was kind of his making, you know. He'd been to a few World Series, and yep. um, it was uh, come off the moment there, really. Um, which was really, you know, he got lit up against. Um, uh, what was it? Was it Puerto Rico? Uh, well, uh, in that tournament, yeah, Venezuela, Venezuela, yeah, one of the yeah, yeah. yeah they hit hit the ball pretty hard. Mm. Um, but he came out in that game uh, uh, against Canada, and and it was wet. Mm. And gutted it out, and then came in to shut out uh, in, in the um, the final. Yeah, I, d- I do. I, I just don't know how he held on to that ball on the wet weather. Against oh, was, Canada. Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, it, that's never easy no. playing in those conditions. But yeah. um, we had a better time of it than yeah. them, basically yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I credit it that he's from Hutt Valley region. Yeah, the beautiful South Island, you know, yeah, South Island. <laughs> Sussle, um, mate. Sussle you know, dig there. Um, but, you know, potentially the, the Canadians made some bad pitching choices. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, I think, um, as did the, as did the um, Japanese. Yeah. Which led us back in the game. Yep, mm. yep. Mate, uh, last question on that. Winning in 2004 on the playing field or and, and even going back to the juniors uh, as well, uh, 85 from memory, um, and then winning as a coach. What was the differences? Or yeah. Was there a difference? Well, well, no. You, well, I guess, you know, when you're 
of a competitive elk, you know, you, you, you always want to win. Yep. Um, so they're all they're all uh, great, but they're just different, and yep. because you know you're contributing in a different way, mm-hmm. um, but you've still got that competitive fire because you don't want to lose, no. right? Um, so um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're all special. Um, as a coach, though, you don't have you, you, you don't have any control at the end of the day. Um, whereas as a pitcher, you know you you got some control. Yep. Um, so it's bloody hard on the on the uh, hairline and um, the colour of the hair and, and the heart rate. You know. <laughs> so um, yeah, but you know, once you get through all of that, it's it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's pretty great to um, be a part of all of that. You know, mm, but it is definitely different. Yeah. Very cool, mate. Very cool what you're doing for our game. What was the hardest thing you had to come, overcome making that transition? As a, as a coach? Yeah. Um, I think one of the hardest things is uh, getting a connection with the players. Yeah. Um, from my perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I mean, probably old enough to be some of their fathers. Yeah. You know, who's this old cat? What's he know? You know <laughs> sort of thing, you know. And, and I think... I think Paddy coming into the Black Sox as a, as a coach, he's still kind of current. So, you know, there's a bit more of a connection there. So yeah. I think that's that's potentially really good. Yep. Um, because, you know, Mark and Daryl and myself are all from a similar era, similar ilk. And all those guys are younger and different to us, right? Yep. So we like to do different things to them. So that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Yeah, it's just different. Yep. Um, and then you've got to have open minds about, you know, how things roll or how you want to do it, sort of thing. Um, but you've got to have a balance here too because, you know, you got to someone's got to steer the ship. <laughs> someone's got to play first base. Yep. You know. Yep. And focus on the job. Yep. At the end of the day, you know. So it's but. That's the whole team thing, isn't it? At the end of the day, everyone's got their bit to do. It sure is, bud. Mm. It sure is. Talking about all things got to do. Our last segment, Damien's going to tell you all about. You may have heard about it. It is the Beyond the Dugout All World Men's Team. Is that big enough for you, mate? Not in there, chop. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Shortstop's not taking yet. Uh, And there is a little window at the top. Maybe we could put Coach in. So you can see so far we've got a few great nominations. He talked about uh, uh, Thomas Markia earlier uh, back in 2004, telling you he's not enough. He was nominated by Brad at Centerfield. Heine Shannon uh, was nominated by Wayne Laulu. He was back on week one uh, in the pitching circle. Mark Sorensen behind the dish by Patty. Uh, Colin Abbott. The man who grounded out that last out in 2004, uh, he was nominated by Mark um, uh, at right field, um, but he's a great international slugger. As you, as you so rightly put, scored so many winning runs for uh, teams he played for the farm and things. Andrew Kirkpatrick is at first. Uh, Todd Schultz, uh, the Americans at second base by Larry. Uh, Brad Lorna at third base by the Anokas. Um, Donny Hale, the DP role by Joel Evans. Uh, and Ryan Wolf made the appearance at left field, of course, uh, Don Freeman and Mark Porteous, manager and umpire. Mm. So let's say these one spot is shortstop, or if you want to go to coach, it's up to you. There is a little window up there to throw in one more spot. Up to you. You're the coach now. Any era. Any era. Wow. Any country. Any country. Good choice. For shortstop. 
I'm going to go with a guy called um, David Boyce. Nice. From um, from Illinois. Yep. Played with David out of Sioux City and um, played on American teams. Um, but he made some plays that I've never seen made before. Um, back in the hole where Thomas would be standing, made some plays there and thrown guys out at one. Yeah. Back in the hole over third base, you know. Uh, left-handed hitter. Yeah, so I'm going to go with him at shortstop. Well, there you go, Damien, uh, the official All-Worlds uh, men's team selection on Beyond the Dugout. At shortstop will be David Boyce out of the USA, selected by Jimmy Wanner. Well, the team is complete now. It's all done. I don't know who's going to play this team, but whoever, <laughs> they better bring know. their A game. <laughs> and some <laughs> oxygen for some bad jokes. Um, <laughs> no, no one's going to step up to take that team on, mate. No way. Without a doubt. Yeah. We're going to find opposition. Got an idea about that? Maybe on the anniversary of the podcast, we might start another all-worlds team that is selected to try and take this team on. So we'll see how we go with that in the future. But David Boys is our starting shortstop. What a um, selection. Thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy, mate, it's been a complete pleasure. Thank you so much for taking your time uh, here tonight to come along and share um, some of your wisdom. Firstly, uh, about this great game of softball, but also, um, mate, your story, which I think is is one that needs to be told because you are arguably one of the best pitchers to come from New Zealand. Uh, thanks, Chop and Damon. It's been uh, great to share some time with you and talk about things that you don't really think about a whole lot, you know, um, because, uh, you know, life goes on to, you know, a certain degree and softball's still a part of my life. Um which is, uh, you know, a game that's been very good to me in lots of different ways. Um, but now I've thoroughly enjoyed it, boys, and um, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks so much for coming over, coming back to the Upper Hut, mate. Back to the Upper Hut. little token Ooh, from us, uh, some Beyond the mate? Dugout stubby holders, oh. mate. I know you're out of practice, but uh, you can definitely represent us. some pinkle ones. I've still got some of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, mate. I awesome. Do, I do have one more question. You're coaching young Robbie's, nine-year-old, now playing out of PK. Yeah. Will we see him on the hill for the Sox one day? Look, the, the the difficulty with Robbie is he plays everything right now. Mm. Like all kids. He loves basketball. Is he massive? He's um, he's 48 kilos, mm. uh, nine years old. Yeah, He's dropped four kilos. Yeah. Um, he plays basketball, which is one of his favourite sports, yeah. rugby, golf. Uh, yeah, he goes to Capital Swim, swimming, <laughs> plays baseball. Um, so um, he loves all of those things, eh? Yeah. Um, but when the registration came out today for Pornicky for softball, I said, mate, you playing this year? He says, yeah, mate. Yeah, I'm playing. Yeah, so he's into it, eh? Um, yeah, and look, we um, we play a bit of catch and yep. show him how to pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, he's keen. How's he's the shoe size? Oh, he's uh, he's in sevens. For, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> moment. yeah, yeah, I mean, he um, he went ice skating the other day um, with a mate, and they rocked up there, and I said, shoe size, he goes seven, and the other guy goes, yeah, I'm a three. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, oh, midget. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, yeah, so he's a big unit, um, and I imagine he's going to be, you know, just like the old man, and just be, you know, a big unit, so, um, but. I just want to keep him busy. Yeah, into all the sports, and he loves the sports. And yeah, look, I think he'll um, he'll just carry on with softball and take him 
go wherever that goes, you know. So good. That yeah. sounds cool, man. Yeah. That sounds cool oh, indeed. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. An amazing a career for the Golden Homes Black Sox. Two World Cups, one as a junior, one as a senior. Guess what? Both gold, including that big one in 2004. Four IC titles, three ASA titles, seven domestic national titles with Pornica Calburni. And he's coached three World Cups, one of them for a gold medal as well. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> and hopefully a young Black Sox pitcher on the way. It is Jimmy Wana joining us. And thank you so much here on the couch at Beyond the Dugout. Thanks, boys. Thank you, mate. All this. Dude, I don't know if Jimmy Wynn has got enough fingers for all of the rings he's collected through his career. Well, that's some big hands as well, mate. So, uh, yeah, no, he's definitely attempted to fill them up. If he if he has, I'm, I'm, I don't know, man, but, like, what a career. Uh, juniors from a junior age, uh, seniors from a junior age, and still around the traps helping out. Legend. Yeah, indeed, man. Starting so young, 14, senior level softball. Uh, no wonder when he got onto the international circuit at 18, he was ready to really make a name for himself. Four IC titles, three ASA titles, seven New Zealand domestic titles, Dominance. two World Cups playing. Dominance. Wow. Yeah. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. Is there anything else you have to do? Yeah. And like, mate, when even even when he talked about when he was coming through and he naming naming all those pitches that he, he was up against and and learning off and going up against, you know, mate, just awesome. You know, from a young age to to embrace the sport and especially as a pitcher as well, mate. That's uh, it's not really the easiest of positions, is it? So, um, outstanding. I tell you, one of the other things that kind of struck me too, man, was how much international softball there was in New Zealand around that time of that era of 88 through to 95. You know, we had all those teams from the US coming down um, and, and from Canada coming down to play the Black Sox. Um, man, what a golden time for the Black Sox. Yeah, man. I, I, I mean, I didn't really take note of it. I just remember lots of softball always being able to watch them. You know, and and I just remember, yeah, mum and dad bringing down to Lime Red Ballpark and all that stuff when we lived in Auckland, etc. And there was always games on, like, but you didn't, you just took it as is. Um, but when he actually named who came down and who was playing and stuff, that's that's very cool. Uh, you know, you kind of wish you didn't take it for granted as a as a five year old kind of thing. <laughs> The one thing he's always going to have, man, which I guess, um, you know, we kid, kid about uh, the field of dreams at the beginning of this podcast, but um, is it perfect? And could you ask him about that, about taking the last outs to win a World Series on home soil in 2004? You can't write, well, you can write that stuff, but for it to actually come in uh, to reality, you know, a dream becoming a reality, that's, um, it's, yeah, it's... Uh, once in a lifetime stuff and um, he gets to tell that story now so fair place tip of the cap he sure does indeed what what a what a true legend uh, also great to see uh, Jimmy as you know as we talked about him giving back to the Black Sox uh, as a pitching coach but but also still coaching uh, now at Pornica Calvary I think that's really important and it's really important that that um, 
we showcase those individuals that do that, like Jimmy uh, and, and a number of other past uh, players that are, that are out there doing it within the game and giving back, not just giving back, but actually enjoying the game from yeah. the other side. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really cool. Um, he mentioned um, Benny, old uh, Thomas Cameron. Um, mm, you know yeah. how how he's training with him at the moment, and and although they might have not connected as much back then, being able to connect more with him now, and you know Thomas came through as a, a was thrusted upon at a young age as well. So for them to um, reconnect and still be involved in PK and mate, they'll be a duo when they they start um, really get the ball rolling, won't they? If they're if they're helping out the next generation as we talked yeah. about hopefully his son on the hill one day so yeah exciting times for, for well, the you look region. you look at all of the coaching staff international coaching staff from the top to the bottom they're all ex-players yeah. uh, they kitty shaw uh, on the white Sox, roman gabriel uh with the white Sox, kitty shaw with the juniors sorry uh jared martin with the juniors mark Sorensen with the seniors you know daryl marino's assistant they're all ex-players aren't they? Mm. patrick shannon's just coming back in now to give back Donnie it's Hale, fantastic Melissa, to see as yeah it's heaps around. Yeah. Yeah. But but we did just mention there's that golden era from the 80s through to the 90s of softball in this country. There's so many more. We would love to have those other nuggets of experience and passion for our game um, to come back and, and be back and be involved. You know, adopt a local club. Doesn't have to be the one you used to play for um, because boy, oh boy, they'll love the gift of what you've got to give. Even yeah, absolutely, Chop. Well said, me. Um, we have too many people when not just softball, all sport. When they hang up the boots, the glove, the bat, whatever, they just you know they sit at home. And just because you're broken, mate, doesn't mean that knowledge has to go to waste. Um, you know, there's a lot of us that are broken and still trying to give back and be involved. And um, you know, I take my mate Crispy for for instance. You yeah. know, he he played ISC, he played um clubs, he played uh, Nets, and um. Yep. And he's still out there with one wing trying to help out. So, um, you know, seeing it firsthand. And, and we're back at our junior club, which is even even more special. You know, yeah. we played all our senior club out, uh, elsewhere, and now we're back at our junior club. So, yeah, if you can, if you can help out, you know, that what's up there in those top two inches is so important in this game. Mm. Damien, I've got an idea. We, as you know, we plan uh, who we're going to have on the show, uh, you know, kind of weeks and months out. Um, I reckon, things we've got this level four lockdown and <laughs> don't know how long it's going to be, why don't we just throw the cards up in the air and see where they land? Absolutely, mate. Let's throw it to the people. We've always been um, one with our, uh, with our peeps and uh, what they want to hear. So what do you want to hear? Who do you want to hear from? We're in 20s, mate. We're in the 20s now. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. You sure are. So, yeah, definitely uh, let us know who you'd like to hear from. It doesn't have to be a Kiwi. It can be anyone from around the world, and uh, we'll get them on the show uh, within the next week or so, and um, and we'll go from there. I think that'd be a cool, 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 cool little way of navigating our guests, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, and, um, yeah, whoever it is, throw it out there because – I'm not going to say we've got any pull or anything, but people have been really receptive to um, coming on the podcast. So um, if you've got someone that you think could be a good yarn, got some good stories as a, one of your fan favorites from back whenever, let us know. Please let us know. There you go. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed Jimmy. One more thing, What a, what a treat one he more was. Thing. Yeah, one more sorry. thing, because I know, I know that cue. I know that tone. That's a wrap-up. So just one more time. We've got some hats. We've got some stubby holders and possibly yes. some hoodies up for, for up for grabs, mate. Help us help you <laughs> pay for the Zoom subscription because we're going to well, need it. 
Wait a minute. You guys are going to need as many stubby holders as possible because in lockdown, these really only one thing to do at night time right <laughs> well that's one side of the the coin yeah. the other yeah. is we are coming into spring ladies and gentlemen yeah. just a couple weeks away and you know you're going to be wanting to sit outside with those those cool beverages and you yep. you know where you want to put them and our them logo lockdown, lockdown beyond the dugout stubby holders oh i love it i really love it you're waiting yeah uh, <laughs> I, I, I can guarantee we won't be posting them from glenfield no hotspot delivery options from here it'll go from sweet old up at where it's you know it's it's covid free so well we're we're, yeah we're blocked off the bridges mate no one's getting in no, no one's allowed to leave no one's getting in <laughs> yeah they're taking the harbour bridge apart as we speak Don't worry about it. you're okay you're hey safe. that means no cycle yeah. lane that jokes <laughs> oh damn i'm devastated <laughs> oh far out. okay all right well there you go don't forget to get the merch get yourself a cap uh and a stubby holder and before you know it damien's gonna put up the hoodie i can't wait yeah we put the hoodie up you're gonna love the hoodie yeah absolutely custom made from dynasty sports and um mate we're summer's coming up maybe we work on a singlet Whew. There you go. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Looking forward to see who we have next week on the cast. It'll be whoever you pick. Too. Yeah, whoever you pick. Jimmy Wano was exceptional tonight. Fantastic. What a legend of our game and deserved Hall of Fame inductee across the board. Just the Super New Zealand one to go at uh, ahead and that's not far away. Oh, should have mentioned, of course, uh, Damien. Unfortunately, the Super New Zealand awards are going to be postponed this year. I'm um, not too sure when that date's going to be. It was due for the end of this month. Um, so you're just going to have to wait your little MC uh, holding hands for a, for another opportunity. Yeah, mate. I was um I was actually I was actually thinking that about that when they the email came out. Of course, um uh, Tony shoulder tapped me after the Hub Rally Sports Awards to to host the Sopple New Zealand Awards. But uh, yeah, uh, I was really looking forward to that. And I even had it in my mind, like, am I going to have to host something by Zoom? Like, are we going to have to do this by Zoom? <laughs> like, because other people have, you know, but um, yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully we can celebrate our successes from last season and soon and start next season right. Yeah, I think Sopo New Zealand may get on the the Zoom track if it's going to be a long lockdown. Mm. But if not, just postpone it, man. Then people can come together and celebrate. Absolutely. That's what it's for. uh, And it's a good reason. It's going to be a great night. Looking forward to that one uh, for sure. Too good. Too good. Heads up, Sopo New Zealand, where they'll open up shortly and we'll um, spend your bar tab willingly. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, shout out to Sopple New Zealand as well for um, supporting yeah. my vision and getting a sign at uh, Whakatuki Park as well as Woo-hoo. Beyond the Dugger. Thanks, guys. Anyone else want to promote anything? Holler at me. <laughs> there you go. I'm just jealous of Rosedale, mate. I'm t- trying to turn my park into that. But yeah. yeah, good luck. So you should. No one, has that. no one has that much concrete. Right across the road from my office. I look forward to seeing a ballpark there all the time, bud. So, wow. yeah, well done. Talk to the park. Uh, Sopper Club uh, looking for sponsors on the home run fence. It's filling fast. Be quick if you want a spot. Otherwise, you'll miss out. Simple as that. Google talk to the park softball uh, for that opportunity. Well, there you go. Jimmy Wanner was a legend. Thank you, my friend. Look forward to next week. That is uh, episode 19 in the book for uh, August the 20th here. On behalf of Damien Collins, the ever-lovable. Damien Collins, I'm Jason Gibbs, AK Dropper. Kakite Ano. Later, guys. Look forward to those lockdown casualty photos. 
be on the dugout Lace them up and we run out Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out Picture on the mound like you don't wanna face this Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases Do it for your teammates, do it for the fam Do it for your city, true ballers understand You gotta work together, you gotta find a way Put your body on the line and make that play Be on the dugout, lace them up and we run out Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out Picture on the mound like you don't wanna face this Hit it so hard, you be running around the base Be on the dugout be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout.